Welcome everybody to uh, the Wednesday, January 13th uh, Board of Trustees regular meeting. Um, we'll uh, just start out by going into roll call. Uh, Madam Clerk. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Jensen. Here. Trustee Esteen. Here. Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Blue. Here. Trustee Dong. Here. Trustee Fox. And Trustee Splendoria. Thank you. Trustee, thank you. We do have a quorum. Thank you. And we have full attendance. I appreciate it. Uh, it's our practice then to go into public comment on non-agenda items. We have two submissions today, uh, uh, Mr. Jordan Pilo and Ms. Laurel Wall. Um, we'll go first with Jordan. Welcome, Jordan. Um, are you here? Hi, Jordan. Hi, can you hear me? Let's do a sound check. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We can hear you, sir. And thank you for coming. Um, our practice is, of course, to give our, our uh, public comment plen uh, appropriate time. We're going to put you three minutes on the clock if that's acceptable to you, okay? All right. Thanks very much. Jordan, please, please begin. Thank you for your comments in advance. All right. To the Board of Trustees, I want to thank you for the service on this board. Uh, as well as for putting up uh, with hearing our prior pleas uh, for a few of you multiple times uh, in order to end the uncertainty of this vital program. Uh, to Mr. Jackson, uh, a really warm welcome, and I hope that uh, we as staff can provide more information about our services uh, and the plight that we are uh, kind of facing. Um, we are asking for your support and relief for the stress of being under constant threat of closure which has come at a time of a lot of additional stress, uh, trying to completely retool our program to provide critical services and telehealth uh, support uh, to our patients during the time of COVID, and the additional stress of feeling constantly whiplashed uh, in our workflow as we have had to piecemeal different directives uh, in our attempt to successfully document and bill under ethics. Uh, our program has uh, provided vital services to a select population of folks with acute mental illness for 25 years, uh, all except for the last three years being lauded uh, for having a positive revenue stream. During the last few years, under new upper management, uh, we have received opaque revenue budget documents uh, that were never fully explained and have been constantly shifting. Uh, and I felt that rather than focus on getting clarity on our budget and working through these issues, uh, the focus has been on closure of our current program in order to expand services to a different population. We, the staff, are tired, uh, but we are still here. We are asking for assurance that IOP can be safe from closure so that we can breathe a sigh of relief uh, work with administration to fix our epic issues, and they really are epic, and have more space to focus on the needs of our patients. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate your comment. Uh, remember, we do not respond directly to public comment, of course, and so we're in receive it. Appreciate, appreciate about that. Next, we have Ms. Laurel Wall. Laura has a telephone number. Mike, I think you probably have it. Ms. Wall, are you present? Hi, I'm present. 
Hi, can you do a sound check for us? Hi, this is Laura Wall. All right, Laura, thank you. Um, we're happy to be in receipt of your, uh, of your comments. You'll have three minutes on the clock, okay? Okay, thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Okay. Hi, I'm Laura Wall, a therapist at the Outpatient Behavioral Health Services IOP Day Treatment Program at Fairmont. Some of you have heard this already, but some of you are new, and we want you to learn about the longevity and success of our intensive outpatient program. For the past 25 years, we have served 200 to 300 of the most acute Medicare patients with severe and persistent mental illness out of a population of roughly 3,000 within Alameda County. Without the support of our program, these patients would be relegated to going in and out of John George and PES, and they would suffer homelessness and incarceration. We have long been the go-to referral for case managers, psychiatrists, wellness centers, and board and cares for these patients with chronic mental illness. We are not opposed to opening a wellness center at AHS. We support it, in fact. However, we think that replacing IOP with a wellness center would be severely detrimental to the mental health and well-being of our patients. It would also significantly increase costs to the county, which would be left to care for these patients without our program. IOPs were conceived of to save counties and medical systems money by preventing chronic cycling in and out of the psychiatric hospital, jails, and homelessness. In doing so, our program has been cost-effective for the last 25 years and has historically been one of the few AHS departments that is profitable and doesn't lose money because we are reimbursed for our services by Medicare. We support a wellness center in addition to our program, but not instead of it. Historically, we have not been allowed to see all patients with all insurances, in part because of leadership and in part because of how the county manages its dollars for caring for this population. We would like to increase our services and provide access for all such patients, regardless of their insurance coverage. We are thrilled to work with the new interim CEO and a new board of trustees. We are looking forward to the next meeting where we can be on the agenda to finally put this issue to rest, to keep IOP open, strong, and vibrant. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Wall, for your comments. And as before, we can't respond directly, but we appreciate it. With that, we are in receipt of all the submissions for uh, public comment. And we'll now move into open session. For those of you who are following along on the agenda, it is there for you. Um, uh, there are time estimates um, for each of the agenda items. We, we will strive to be close to that towards keeping this meeting on time, but of course the dialogue is important. We're going to open up with item A, Executive Officer's Report. Five minutes have been allocated to this. I know that's a little bit tight. I'll note that this is a little bit of a change. This was previously titled the President's Report. Uh, we've determined the changes to the Executive Officer's Report because three Executive Officers lead this Board of Trustees and they should have venue. Uh, so I'll start out. Welcome to all to this January 13th Board of Trustees meeting. This is not only the first Board of Trustees meeting for the calendar year, it's actually the first regular meeting of this, for, of this Board of Trustees. So to the audience and to all our stakeholders, on behalf of the trustees, 
I'll say that it's our intention to have engaged and thoughtful relationships with all our stakeholders, internal and external. And frankly, we can't be effective as an organization without these engaged and thoughtful relationships. Towards that, we're gonna offer two things for tonight or I'll offer two things on behalf of us. One, we will strive to make these meetings more accessible to people. Um, we, we made a move last time to standardize the calendar. Wednesday nights will be Alameda Health System Board of Trustee nights. Uh, uh, so if you log in to our, to our Zoom, um, there will be a Board of Trustee activity. Finance on week one, full board on week two, uh, audit compliance or HR on week three, and week four, our quality meeting. Um, we invite you to attend. We invite you to uh, engage yourself in this process. Uh, again, Wednesday nights are board nights. Uh, do your best to attend. The second thing that I, uh, that I offer is that the trustees will strive to make themselves accessible to you. Uh, as they say, all feedback is a gift and, and we want to have the benefit of your feedback uh, when you can. So with that, I'll close my portion and keep it simple and cede uh, the floor to the Vice President, uh, Trustee Jensen. Trustee Jensen. Thank you. Um, thank you, Taft and Mr. Chair, and I appreciate all that you've done to um, to support the, the board. I think that the Wednesday meeting schedule will be very effective, and I appreciate the ability to focus on one night per week for the board for each meeting. So that will, will be good, I think. Welcome to everyone, happy 2021. Um, I think we have a lot to do and we're gonna be good moving forward. And I wanna just close and let everyone know that um, myself and actually your entire executive committee was sworn in again last week. The three of us were, um, were reappointed. And in case anyone was wondering, we were all um, appointed for a brief period and then the board of supervisors did reappoint us and um to continue on for the rest of the the um term ending in 2023 for i believe all three of us so um that just to be reassured that we'll be continuing and um be continuing to support everyone here and and I think, um, again, I wanna say thank you to all board members, our new board members, and those board members that are continuing. This is gonna be challenging and the leadership is strong and the, the leadership internally and with the board is strong. So I think we have a great deal to do, but a great, um, great leadership and great, great intention and we're gonna get stepped up. Thank you, Vice President Jensen. Uh, Secretary Treasurer Steen, taking it to the house. I really appreciate that we get to share the opening of our board meetings. And Wednesday is Alameda Health Systems Board of Trustees report out night. First Wednesday being the Finance Committee. And I am honored to serve as Secretary Treasurer of the board, as well as Chair of the Finance Committee. And I hope that you all will join me on the journey of learning all about Alameda Health Systems finances, because that's the journey I'm on as finance chair. And I think it's a really exciting one because um, whatever happened before this tenure of this board of trustees and this tenure of this finance chair, we are going forward to build new trust, to build deeper and stronger relationships and to build a better Alameda Health Systems. 
as a collective and as a group with AHS combined with Alameda County. And that is my mission. That is the mission of our board. And that is the mission of the Finance Committee. Thank you all very much. And I look forward to seeing you on Wednesdays until forever. Thank you, Trustee Esteen. So with that, uh, wow, we were almost on time. We will close out item A, the executive, executive officer's report. We'll now move into item B, the CEO report, and a little primer to this one. This is the last uh, uh, board meeting for our CEO, Delvecchio Finley. Uh, Delvecchio has faithfully served this organization for the past five years. And, and uh, uh, this is his, his uh, farewell address, if you will. And uh, I, I want him to know uh, about uh, the thankfulness and appreciation and respect he is due uh, for performing one of the hardest jobs there is. So with that, I'll see the, 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 the item uh, to our CEO, Mr. Finley. Sir. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bouquet. I appreciate it. And good evening, uh, trustees. Happy uh, New Year's to you all. And congratulations again. I, I've uh, talked to some of you in other contexts, but I think this is, I, I missed your December meeting, uh, unfortunately ill, but uh, my first contact to speak to you. So uh, thank you for the privilege and uh, sadly my, my last as well as, as trustee Bouquet pointed out. I will be, I'll try to be brief. I want to just uh, give you a quick update on some important items and then basically sort of uh, a few wrap-up remarks. So um, first and foremost, I'm happy, happy, thrilled actually to report that after the completion of the November on-site surveys uh, uh, that happened just before this board was seated um, um, and the review of those findings of those surveys, uh, the Joint Commission has rendered a final decision of uh, accreditation with follow-up survey for AHS core campuses. Um, and that is a, uh, a awesome feat uh, given uh, what we had to go through and the period on top of that of the pandemic in which we were doing it. The organization does uh, uh, have a few corrective action plans for a small number of findings uh, from both of those surveys and we are working on submitting those uh, corrective action plans and preparing for a follow-up survey. The follow-up survey is tentatively expected in the next four to six weeks. Uh, I wanna give a special thanks and congratulations to all of our clinical and support staff, our providers, our quality team, and the executive leadership for this truly impressive demonstration of teamwork and collaboration on behalf of uh, the patients and the community we serve. So actually, beyond that, I just want to say I, th I felt I would be remiss and derelict in my uh, uh, duties if I didn't uh, offer some remarks to reflect on the past five years. Uh, while we've been uh, far, far from perfect, uh, as an organization and have faced some really extraordinary challenges. I would be remiss if I did not honor and acknowledge the great work of this incredible organization, its staff, its clinicians, its leadership, and its board and in all of its iterations, but in the uh, past iteration uh, for the, um, for the uh, bulk of my tenure. Uh, some of those successes include opening a new acute care tower, uh, at the High, on the Highland campus, securing level one trauma status, uh, becoming one of the few level one trauma hospitals in the state of California, uh, opening a state-of-the-art uh, new rehab center uh, or hospital and securing CARF accreditation, the highest designation for uh, rehab facilities uh, in terms of quality around the country, building and growing a new physician organization uh, uh, that is uh, designed at its core to advance stronger alignment between our physicians and the organization 
uh, that will result in improved quality, efficiency, and cost-effectiveness of care delivery. Advancing pay parity across our system uh, in a way that promotes uh, and enables systemness. Installing a fully R, uh, advancing health equity, diversity, and inclusion, and more, and much, much more. Uh, I just want to say that it's, it's it, I, I just felt like I needed to call that out because in the midst of everything that's been going on, all of the uh, less than savory uh, uh, um, uh, press and discussions around what's been happening in the organization, I think it would be an incredible disservice not to acknowledge uh, these incredible feats by the folks in the organization who have uh, made them happen. So I want to, I want to really honor that. Now, turning the page, I want to say, uh, and uh, this is a bit premature, but uh, a, an action item tonight. I extend my extreme uh, uh, congratulations uh, and welcome to welcome back, actually, uh, to James Jackson to the organization. Uh, I truly do look forward to uh, meeting with James and supporting his onboarding process. And I also hope, I really, really hope that James uh, can partner with you all and the rest of the organization, obviously, to build on the successes that we've experienced over the five years, uh, past five years, and to approach it with the same or an even greater sense of focus, first and foremost, on the patients and the community that we're so privileged to serve. To him and to you all as trustees, I can attest from firsthand that, that doing so uh, will require a level of value-driven fortitude. That may include some really tough but necessary choices. Um, you know, we've uh, this board or the prior board made some tough choices. The leadership has, and that includes suing the pension plan and the county for practices that systematically disadvantage the organization, uh, calling attention to when private dealings of those in leadership and in roles of leadership don't comport with public proclamations, and even standing firm when forces align to malign you in ways that are self-serving and harmful to the community we all endeavor to serve. I think thoughtful and productive relationships with stakeholders, internal and external, are indeed very critical to this organization's success. And I hope that where I've fallen short, you can build on those. Uh, however, I also offer a strong word of caution to, to uh, Mr. Jackson and to all of you as trustees that if partnership and collaboration in the eyes of any stakeholder involves compromising the very people you're committed to serve, it is my hope that you will lead by example and do the right thing. In closing, I'll just say it's truly been a grateful, I'm truly grateful for the honor and the opportunity to have, to, to have served uh, AHS in this community, and I do wish you well. Thank you. Thank you for your words, Delvecchio. Um, trustees, comments? Trustee Banerjee. Delvecchio, I wanted to extend my thanks and deep appreciation five years and we have had highs and lows, but we have had incredibly big milestones happen during this time. Epic, uh, Fairmont moving, um, the merger of the licenses of the core, um, and many more. So thank you very much for your service and your dedication and you know all our wishes to you and your young family in your new endeavor. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Trustee Banerjee. Trustee Jensen. Uh, I would also echo that, uh, Devecchio, as you know, Alameda Healthcare District and Alameda Hospital, when you came into Alameda Health System was um, certainly, the uh, least to say, a challenge, but of course, um, somewhat of a unique position within the system. And you worked very hard mm -hmm. to um, address the issues. You you made sure to, um, to accomplish the ever increasing costs of the seismic retrofit and um, you ensured that 
that all of the things that needed to happen at the community health center happened, including the primary care physicians, which happened and then of course was not successful through no fault of anyone at Alameda Health System. And um, at Alameda Healthcare District, we appreciate all that you've done. And um, I, I speak for the district and speak for Alameda, you know, and thanking you for your hard work to, to make Alameda Hospital, to support Alameda Hospital and ensure that, that Alameda residents continue to have access to, to acute care and healthcare on the island. Thank you so much. Thank you, Trustee Jensen. Trustees, any other comments? Trustee Dong. Hi, Dal. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for all the work you did with us with San Leandro Hospital during my tenure there, and that you've always been supportive and uh, respectful of uh, the work that we do there with you. So thank you. Thank you so much and all the best to you and your family. Thank, thank you. you, Trustee Dong. Um, I, uh, it's Zoom style. I've never done this before, but I ask us to stand and applaud uh, uh, Mr. Finley for his service to this organization. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And it's been an incredible honor. I thank all of you for what you're doing and will do for the community. So thank you. Thank you, Del Vecchio. Thank you so much, sir. With that, we close item B and we now enter item C. 10 minutes have been allocated, but uh, we know how that works, right? So. Um, we will go into item C1. As a reminder, uh, uh, it is in our bylaws that at the first meeting of the year, we appoint our officers. There was a special meeting in December because we had no officers. So this is the time for us to reset ourselves. Um, um, I'll entertain any motions for uh, nominations for uh, officers of this board of trustees. Taft, I'll move and I'll nominate and move the current slate of officers uh, for fiscal year or for calendar year 2021. Thank second. You. Uh, so thank you, Trustee Splendorio and Banerjee. Um, Mike, does this need to be a roll call? Yes. Okay. Um, Madam Clerk, uh, all in favor of the motion to uh, uh, and the seconded motion to accept the current slate of executive officers. Uh, 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 Trustee Bouquet as president, uh, Trustee Jensen as vice president, and Trustee Esteen as secretary treasurer. Um, All right, Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Defer on vote for myself, uh, but otherwise the other two, yes. <laughs> Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Dong. She's nodding her head. <laughs> Trustee Esteen. Aye. Uh, Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Splendorio. Aye. Uh, we have a unanimous vote. Thank you for that. With that, we uh, close out item C1 and we move to item C2, approval of temporary employment agreement with the interim CEO. May I t entertain a motion to approve this? I so move. Uh, uh, Trustee Banerjee was the motion. I believe Trustee, uh, do I have a second? Second. Trustee Dong, second. I now open this up for dialogue. Uh, I'll make a few introductory comments. At our last special meeting uh, last Wednesday, uh, we uh, made uh, a closed session discussion and um, motion in action to approve um, uh, Mr. James Jackson as the interim CEO. The, uh, the 
board, uh, authorized trustees Jensen and myself to engage in uh, contract negotiations with the assistance of our CHRO and our uh, general counsel. And this uh, employment agreement is the product of that. Um, I'm gonna give this to uh, trustee Banerjee who led the ad hoc committee uh, for any comments prior to our uh, uh, voting. <clears throat> Thank you, trustee Bukit. And it was um, an intense process. I'm very happy to have been working with, with this ad hoc group of trustees, uh, Blue, Don, uh, Bukit and myself. And we, leadership matters, especially during so during these challenging times. And uh, we are delighted that Mr. Jackson will lead HS in the next phase of our evolution. As a board and executive leadership, we are purposeful and committed to deeply respectful and productive relationships with both internal and external stakeholders. And especially our dedication to HS's mission is unwaverable, unwavering during these challenging times. So for us, as a, as a group, making sure that we put patient care and quality first and foremost. And as an anchor institution, we address the stark health inequities that the pandemic has already exacerbated. This will mean that we build and sustain rigor and reliability in our own practice, but also as equally important, work closely uh, with our county and other partners to optimize all the resources that we can get. And so we are thrilled that the appointment of Mr. Jackson will improve patient care, organizational sustainability, stability, as well as our community partnerships. Thank you, Trustee, thank you, Trustee Banerjee, uh, and thank you for your service as the chair of that committee. I know that was uh, hard, uh, clustered work that was there. Trustee Blue, you're a member of the ad hoc uh, search committee. Could you make some comments, please? Yeah, first of all, I just wanted to thank the members of the committee who worked very hard and very quickly over the holidays, because I was a little freaked out about whether or not we were gonna be able to find somebody to um, step in because of all of the challenges ahead. But um, I feel good about the recommendation coming before this board. I had an opportunity to speak with James uh, personally, because I wasn't there for the interview, just to flush him out a little bit and where he was coming from. And one of the main, um, one of the main things that we as a board have to address is making sure that we settle our labor union contracts with the nurses at Alameda Hospital who've been without a contract for two years. And then also with the employees at Highland Hospital. Uh, so I look forward to working with the board and also with James, because we have to bring those contracts to a close. Those are healthcare workers. They are the backbone of our healthcare services. And if we don't treat them right and get them the resources that they need to meet this challenge of the pandemic in the coming weeks, then we failed at our mission. And then the other thing that I wanna emphasize is that we have to rebuild trust. These are not new unions to the health service system. They've been around for decades. And the fact that it broke down is of concern to me and also to the community. So I do look forward to working with everybody. 
we have a lot of challenges. And James, thank you for taking on this challenge as the interim. I don't envy you, but I can say that the board will stand with you and behind you and help you as you move us through the next phase of the board and the, not Asian, but the Alameda County Health Services. Thank you, Trustee Blue. Trustee Dong. Thank you. First, thank you to King Trustee Banerjee for chairing. And I, um, I want to thank our, the other ad hoc committee members. We actually had such a great time when we were meeting too. So that always helps when people get along. But I will ask for a moment of personal privilege because my, I'd like to say a few things about our relationship with the county and what my perspective will be as we move forward towards governance. First, I 100% support James Jackson as the interim CEO. I wanna say that first off. But in addition to the comments that my colleagues have echoed, um, I'd like to talk about how critical our relationship with Alameda County is with the county staff and the board of supervisors. I think we all sit here and know that we have been, a, are a reconstituted board to attempt to change the direction. And this appointment, is one step towards changing the directions that our community would like to see. Um, I do wanna say a couple things about the county, other things. The county, for those of you who don't know, is a major funder of our system. It also issued the bonds, the 668 million bonds, dollars worth of bonds for our acute care tower. So not only are they sort of, and when we run out of money, I always see things on the board agenda at the board of supervisors. When we're in a bind, oftentimes our system will ask the county for additional funding. And this is a practice. I also want to say that the county is our asset holder. The county owns 99.9% of our assets. The only asset that we own is San Leandro Hospital and its parking lot. And that asset was afforded to us by a board of supervisor, her work, Supervisor Chan, and the rest of the board of supervisors and negotiated by Supervisor Chan and healthcare staff. That's our only asset. It's a building, it came with equipment, a parking lot and $22 million. So that was a major contribution to negotiate with Sutter and given to us um, at the system as a donation. So our relationship with the county is critical because they are our major player in what we're doing. They're more than a partner. I don't exactly have a word to describe it. But I will say that I look forward as we move as we discuss governance, I want to thank the Board of Supervisors, particularly the Health Committee uh, members, Supervisor Keith Carson and Supervisor Chan as its chair. And I look forward to working with all of the Board of Supervisors. And I want to thank Colleen Chawla, the HICSA Director, Rebecca Gephardt, the Finance HICSA Director, Dr. Clannon, and Susan Marinishi. I don't want to say that I look forward to working with you with respect, dignity, and integrity. 
And that those are my comments. And I think this appointment will move us in that direction. I thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Trustee Dong. Uh, my comments as a member of that committee, uh, I'll, I'll close this and then open up to the other trustees who were not on the ad hoc committee. Uh, as an AHS trustee, an AHS physician, an AHS patient, I am uh, delighted that James is returning to our system. And uh, I am very appreciative of his willingness to take on this extremely difficult and challenging job. It's, this is a hard job. Just ask Del Vecchio. It's a hard job. And, but what I will say that, that James's skill set, uh, which includes uh, his inclusive leadership style, his, his operational experience, his, his, his commitment to building uh, engaged relationships, and his commitment to our patient population, I think will poise us as best as we can to navigate very challenging waters ahead. So that, that is really important to know. This, this is no cakewalk for anyone who takes on this job. Um, but I think joint James poises us to be uh, uh, at that next inflection point for where we're going to go. So uh, with that, I'm going to close my statement and then open it up to the other four trustees who were not on the committee should they have any comments. Um, Trustee Splendorio, do you have any comments? Yes, I do. Thank you, Taft. Of um, course, sir. I, uh, I uh, appreciate the efforts of the ad hoc committee and, uh, and of the four of you to put together a, a deal as quickly as you did. Um, and I, uh, you know, I was in favor at the special session of uh, engaging with Mr. Jackson. I have a question though, uh, as to whether we have the due authority as a, as a governing body to approve this tonight. The, um, uh, in, the, in the closed session, I was told this was to be an independent contractor arrangement and what I have before me is an employment agreement and someone like me knows there's a big difference between the two. I don't have an issue with what was negotiated, but I have a question if we were given the, if the adequate authority was given by the board and that's an open question. Uh, again, I don't have an issue with what was negotiated. It's just there's a big difference between the two and, um, and, uh, and I, and I am fearful and I'm concerned uh, because we did not have the uh, uh, wisdom and guidance of our general counsel or an HR professional in that meeting that that should never happen again. And um, so going forward, I'd like to make sure that we do understand that we hire these people uh, to give us advice and they should be in the room with us. For me, as a chair's prerogative, I'd like to address of that. We led this process with incredible amounts of fidelity and integrity. In the when we made the decision, we called our general counsel in. We had a discussion with him, and we said we are not HR professionals. We will uh, we authorized our president and our vice president to execute a, a contract. As per the uh, the. Um, recommendations of our general counsel and our CHRO. And I remember if Mike, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point in time during the session, wasn't there a discussion when you said the uh, employee uh, arrangement is what we do? So I, I'm going to, uh, I think that we authorized our um, folks to to listen to the counsel of our human resources and our general counsel. And I hope that they, and I trust that they have full trust that they've maintained fidelity to the process. 
All right, so Taft, if I can respond, that, that's the problem. Uh, when we made the motion was made and approved, neither the general counsel or any of us was in the room. And that's the problem. That all happened afterwards. And my point is they should have been in the room when before the motion was made. That advice would have been given to us. Uh, Mr. Chair? Yes, Trustee Dong. Will you repeat the motion you made in the presence of the entire board in closed session? Would that be yeah. possible? Of, of course, uh, uh, the exact uh, language. Hold on. Uh, oh, hold on a second now. The, the, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, you know, one, you need to be you know, cognizant of the, the, which is afforded your closed session discussions. Um, and I would strongly advise that if you're able to resolve this issue without making disclosures of information that happened there, that that would be not only beneficial to you now, but beneficial to you on a going forward basis as well, too. You know, what I hear from Trustee Splendorio is that he has raised a concern about the process, which uh, were some portions of the process here. I also understand that he appears to not have an objection to the result in terms of moving forward here per se, then don't let me paraphrase or put words in mouth, trustee splendorial. So, so I would, you know, counsel, if you're able to, you know, really sort of focus on how you might deal with this on a going forward basis and see if that is satisfactory to resolving any concerns in that way, you know, maintain, you know, your process around the closed sessions, uh, but then also get a result to a result here this evening as well too so that would be yeah. my suggestion thank you mike that's exactly what i'm trying to get across is the the process was not i don't think in terms of governance the way it should have been and i'd like to see learn from this and go forward that you know we hire people and we should have them in the room general counsel there was a report out from that closed session on the action made in closed session which 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 was evolved i think with you in the room can you can you recall for us what that the public report out on that action was? You know, my my recollection is that you know the report out extended to the fact that the uh, the board had um, determined to appoint Mr. Jackson as the interim CEO, and I don't recall that it went beyond that. And, and, and to empower uh, the 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 president and the vice president to work with CHRO and general counsel towards successful negotiation of the contract. Yes, that was also part of it as well, too. So what, what I'll say is uh, uh, the good systems, good teams have the dialogue. So I wholly appreciate the, appreciate the dialogue, Trustee Splendorio. What I'll say is it is the intention, it is my intention on the agenda to build in board performance as a, as a highlighted agenda item. This will be the defined venue for which we will continue to strive to be better. Uh, and that, that is my promise to the public and, and to all these trustees. Thank trustees, you. Are, are, there, are there any other comments from any of the trustees with regard to this contract? With, with that, I think, uh, um, Madam Clerk, let's call a vote. Uh, roll call, please. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Was that an aye? Aye. Okay. Thank you. Trustee Dong. Aye. Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. 
Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Splendoria. Yes. Motion passes. Thank you. With that, we close item C2. We now move to item D. 15 minutes have been allocated to this. We're already running a little behind, but that's okay. No pressure. Um, this is this is a standard and fixed item that we've held. Uh, we engage our medical staffs as well. The medical staffs have uh, have new uh, uh, have newly elected their officers, and uh, I, I want to introduce uh, uh, or give the floor, cede the floor to our executive leadership uh, for the MEC, led by the respective chiefs of staff. We'll first open up with Dr. Irina Williams, who is the newly elected chief of the medical staff for Highland and San Leandro. Uh, Dr. Williams, the floor is yours. Thank you, Taft. Um, good evening, everyone. My name is Dr. Irina Williams, and I'm a newly elected chief of staff for um, Alameda Health System Medical Staff Office. Um, I will be working with Dr. Brandon Besh, who is going to be vice chief of staff, um, Dr. Lilavati Indulkar, who is going to be our secretary and treasurer, alongside with Satira Dalton, who is a director of medical staff services. At present, the position of immediate past chief of staff is vacant. Um, medical staff officers are currently in the process of identifying a proper course of action in this scenario in compliance with our legal um, and our bylaws. We're entering this term at a challenging time. Um, soon after the East Bay Medical Group uh, has been formed and after multiple changes within the medical staff leadership over the past six months. So these are the times when it's especially important to have a clear vision, direction, and strategy. The vision for the upcoming term for Alameda Health System Medical Staff is to provide stable medical staff leadership with a focus on patient care. We must keep quality patient care at the forefront of our decision-making. And that's what me and my officers intend to do. We're going to continue working on improving collaboration and communication within the health system to support unity of our medical staff. We will ensure and maintain medical staff self-governance and we'll continue exploring opportunities for medical staff wellness. Our team of AHS medical staff officers is looking forward to supporting our medical staff and serving our community. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Williams. Um, Adris, Dr. Adris Afzali is the uh, an ED physician and he uh, is the chair of the San Leandro Hospital Leadership Committee. Unfortunately, he is in the emergency department uh, uh, seeing patients and he said he couldn't make it tonight. So we will defer on his portion of this. Um, I'll offer it down to Dr. Kathy Pion, who's the chief of the medical staff for Alameda Hospital. Dr. Pion, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I just uh, just wanted to thank uh, all of you, you know, for uh, serving on the on the board of trustees, and uh, I'll be helped a lot by Nikita Joshi, Joshi MD. She's a uh, ER physician. Many of you know her, and Stephen Lowry, a secretary treasurer. Um, basically, again. I echo that this very challenging time in the time of COVID, we've had a lot of challenges uh, come our way. We, we've been a, a, a small hospital. Alameda has hospital has been around since 1894, and we've always served just the, mostly the Alameda Island. But now we are in part of the county, and we are uh, happy to serve the whole county. And it's it's really again, I want to echo echo that it's important to focus on quality. 
I, I truly believe that if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So I'm, I'm all about uh, pushing for quality, also um, giving people the tools to be able to deliver quality. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to work with uh, the AHS leadership, and I'm looking forward to um, working with all of you. Thank you very much. Dr. Pyun, thank you for that. And to both of you and, and your secretary treasurers and your vice, vice chiefs of staff, we look forward to regular engagement, regular reporting from you, and we'll be working with you how to, how to standardize an executive report to us. We really, really appreciate that. With that, uh, we will close um, item D, and I'm going to go backwards because I didn't uh, pay attention to my own notes, so apologies. Um, we, in item C2, we just approved the temporary employment of an interim CEO. I think this is an appropriate moment for, for the incoming in, interim CEO to have a few words for us. So my apologies, uh, Mr. Jackson, on skipping right over you after we approved you. So uh, Mr. Jackson, welcome. The floor is yours. Thank you very much, Chair Bouquet. Um, no worries. So Chair Bouquet, trustees, staff, and members of the public, I'm grateful for the, the chance to address you this evening. I want to start by recognizing Mr. Delvecchio Finley. Delvecchio, thank you for your stewardship and your leadership. You've been gracious in your offer to facilitate the transition process, and I am deeply appreciative to you, and I look forward to working with you on this transition. I wanted to just talk about this opportunity and the fact that it means so much more to me than just a job. It is the culmination of my professional career, and I'm proud to return to the Alameda Health System. Some of you know that my family history is closely associated with the health of Alameda County. My father cared for many generations in the East Bay as a community-based physician, as well as as the chief of the maternal and child health program here at Highland Hospital. Being the CEO of AHS is an opportunity to use all that I've learned and experienced to provide you and support you while you're providing the care for the betterment of our community. I have a deep respect for all of you, and I know many of you. I stood beside you in good and challenging times, and I know that we are all deeply committed to serving. I also know that together we can accomplish all that we set out to do, and I'm confident that together we will uplift our mission by fostering an environment of caring, healing, teaching, and serving all. I ask that you join me in working together in alignment with the county for the greater benefit of our patients because time and resources are limited. In doing so, we will demonstrate our pride through our respect and compassionate, culturally competent care for all those we serve. We're in the midst of a pandemic that has harmed many of our residents, and I'm committed to getting you the resources and support you need to feel empowered to deliver the best care possible. I know that you must have a high quality, safe environment for care and healing in order to do your best work. I've seen the toll COVID-19 has taken within hospitals and on our healthcare workers, having operated one of the Bay Area hospitals chosen by the state to provide additional surge beds last year. I more recently had the opportunity to bring that knowledge to the development of a new division for COVID response within our county. I'm now honored to bring this experience to support you in containing the pandemic while we optimize the distribution of vaccines for our staff, providers, patients, and the community. Over the next few weeks, I'll be visiting all of our facilities to meet and to listen to you. I will take in this learning to evaluate opportunities for important change to ensure that you are supported. You are the key to our success. I look forward to getting acquainted with people I've not yet met and reuniting with those I was honored to serve in my previous roles within AHS. 
I am humbly and deeply honored to serve you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Um, My pleasure. And welcome back. Thank you. So with that, uh, we will close out that item and there will certainly be more time for comment with regard to Mr. Jackson. Uh, we have lots of dialogue ahead of us. I'm gonna keep it moving. We're gonna go into item E. This is, this is committee reports. This is where we usually give a, a brief report back on the, the, the myriad committees that we have underneath the superstructure of, of the full board of trustees. There, there are five here uh, listed and we'll, we'll go through them. Um, for, for this evening, I've already let uh, many of the uh, uh, respective presenters just know that this, just keep it simple as a two to three minute verbal report. Going forward, we'll probably make this a one page executive report uh, on, on key items which have occurred. So I'll start out with item, uh, and also as a prelude to this, remember all committees, we need to reappoint chairs to each respective committees. So at the first meeting of the year for each of these committees, it's incumbent upon uh, that group of uh, trustees to appoint a chair of the committee. Um, I'll open up with item E1, the QPSC meeting. Uh, this occurred last on 13 November, 2020. It, it, at that time, it was a pretty relatively standard meeting. We approved uh, policies and procedures. We received credentialing from the medical staff and we heard quality and safety reporting. At that time, we were still uh, joint commissioning and uh, we uh, hadn't heard the, the full good news that Mr. Finley had reported out at that time. So it was a standard meeting for which those uh, new committee members will hear policies, procedures, credentialing, and safety quality reports. So with that, I'll close out item E1. Um, item E2, we appointed ourselves a new committee chair at the first meeting of the year. Uh, Trustee Esteen, um, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. As uh, you stated, first meeting of the year, chairs are appointed. So I had the good favor of uh, being present at a finance committee meeting first of the year on January 6th and uh, was nominated by Trustee Spondorio, was seconded uh, by Trustee Banerjee to be chair and I accepted the position. Um, it was unanimous vote. We approved our minutes. Um, we heard a report from our CFO and COO uh, and decided not to approve a contract uh, for Fulgen Therapeutics, instead to move it to tonight's meeting of the full board. Um, we adjourned after about two hours, and I think it was a pretty standard finance committee meeting. Um, I am honored to be serving as chair of the finance committee and um, take this matter very seriously uh, as a responsibility um, that is great and holds a lot of weight. Um, I am not a person with a finance background. I am a registered nurse. Patient care is my uh, first and foremost priority. And I think that as finance is considered along with patient care, especially for a safety net facility, um, the two really do go hand in hand. And I have been doing a lot of homework lately uh, to research the matter and attended a board meeting for EBMG today um, it was really nice to hear from our um, chiefs of staff today uh, in this meeting a moment ago. Um, but I did hear that in our EBMG board, which is the East Bay Medical Group, of which all of our doctors are members, they do not currently have a finance committee, even though their bylaws dictate that they should. 
So as chair of our AHS Finance Committee, I think it is imperative that we ensure EBMG also have a Finance Committee appointed um, double time. So I'm hoping to report out by next month that that has happened. I know that there are a lot of leadership changes at EBMG because it is a relatively new part of our organization. Um, and so they're trying to figure out how all of their leadership should take hold permanently. But this is a very important part of their committee structure and should be in place. That is the end of my committee report. Thank you, Trustee. Ap apologies, I didn't offer trustees opportunities after either E1 or yeah, uh, for, for, for questions. So I offer trustees uh, opportunity for questions or comments for either the quality committee or the finance committee. My comments to the finance committee are appreciations for trustees, trustee esteem. It's a heavy lift that she just put on her shoulders and, and I'll call on the committee members. She's gonna need a lot of help. And, and it is, uh, uh, please, please give it to her. I know that I will. Uh, as, as the board president be assisting her. I'm not a voting member on the finance committee, but uh, obviously these these issues are of import to, to all of us. So thank you, Trustee Esteen, for taking on that work. With that, we'll go to item E3, the audit and compliance committee, uh, which was from 17 November of 2020. The, 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 this current sitting chair is, is Trustee Jensen. Trustee Jensen. Oh, thank you, Trustee Bouquet. I'll be very <clears throat> brief. The, um... The board will be happy to note that the action that was taken by the audit and compliance committee was to approve the report from our external auditor, Moss Adams, to that the findings that the financial statements were presented accurately and comprehensively for the year ending 6-30-2020. So we were very pleased with that. We know that we are presenting the information that you're receiving. Um, Trustee Esteen will be receiving, at least from last year and going forward, was, um, the financial statements were was accurate. So, um, at least from the, the audit perspective, and I will be chair. I will be starting to chair the committee, which is meeting would usually be meeting in um, in March, but we'll be meeting in February next month. So we will be. I'll be handing the gavel over and we will be unfortunately saying farewell to the the um, vice president for audit and compliance Rick Kibler as he retires from Alameda Health System so another leadership change and um, but we have a transition plan in place and so that's good so the transition should be happening and it should be I expect it will be effective and um, and it should be moving forward without a, with effectively as i said so that will be the plan for the next meeting thank you trustee jensen for that report uh trustees any questions or comments with regard to uh item e3 the audit and compliance committee report and again my charge to the audit and client compliance committee when they meet in february uh it is your charge my charge passing on to your charge to appoint a chair so be, be, be mindful and thoughtful of that. We'll move on to item E4, the Alameda Hospital Seismic Planning Ad Hoc Committee, uh, an update. Uh, the, I, I will note this was previously chaired by a Trustee Ross Peterson, who was one of, is one of our former trustees. Trustees Jensen and Trustees Banerjee also sat on that committee. 
So as of this point, it is uh, currently without a chair. Uh, I, I'm taking president privilege and still working through that to assign a chair. But in the meantime, Trustee Banerjee will uh, give uh, this uh, uh, this report. <clears throat> Thank you, Trustee Bukhet. So for the board, um, this is a committee that is with the Alameda Healthcare District representatives mm -hmm. from the Alameda Healthcare District and our board have come together to think of uh, uh, work together on a collaborative solution to see what the seismic requirements for the hospital are beyond 2030 right now. Um, there is, um, so uh, with the seismic work that we are doing that only allows the hospital to be relevant under, as an acute care until 2030. So since the last uh, update for this was done in the November meeting, since then there has not been another meeting, but I, as this new reconstituted board, I just want to reaffirm our partnership with the Alameda Healthcare District and to say that we are steady in wanting to work through this. So we will be looking at appointments from our board um, to this joint um, committee. And once we have that, we will look at a calendar and set up a schedule and cadence of meetings pretty soon. So again, this is one more of an uh, ad hoc committees that has come together to work on the complex issues that we have as part of a system. Excellent. And that's my report. If I could just add that this is a um, joint committee with the Alameda Healthcare District. So it has been a committee that's been um, led with the um, with the executive leadership of the executive director of the Alameda Healthcare District, Debbie Stebbins, along with uh, Luis Fonseca. And then um, as King Kitty pointed out, myself in um, representing Alameda Health System, along with Ross and um, King Kinney, and then Mike Williams, who's the chair of the of the Alameda Health Care District Board. I think he's participated once or twice, along with um, Gail Godfrey Kadaga, who is a, another member of the Alameda Health Care District Board, who has been for the most part the leader and the um, the board chair for the Alameda Health Care District. Thank you, Trustee Jensen. Uh, trustees, any comments or questions with regard to the seismic planning committee for Alameda? With that, we'll move on to item E5, uh, a, a big item, uh, although just it looks benign in this report. This is this is another ad hoc committee. This is uh, one could argue uh, one of our going to be one of our most important ad hoc committees. This is the AHS governance evaluation ad hoc committee. We had to make up a name that that, that sounded good. Um, what what? We've had discussion before, and I think what is obvious to us is that this board has has had two initial charges coming out of the gates. First is to place leadership at the, at the top level, an interim CEO, and that was our priority. Our second item of, of, of dire importance, which now becomes the number one issue for us after we place an interim CEO, is to indeed address the question of what is the best governance model. That That is that is a... a that is why we are uh, are here uh, this evening and beyond to help find out what is the best construct for us to be successful uh, in partnership with our internal and external partners. In the room this evening, we, we have a number of guests who are going to be talking to us. We have Ms. Chala from Hixa. 
We have Mr. Norris and Mr. Friedman from, from HMA, and we look forward to their discussion. They're, they're gonna take us uh, at the end of this meeting and close, close shop for us through hopefully what will be a robust dialogue. What I'm gonna say is that, that, that I've taken uh, 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 Appendix E of our policies and procedures and appointed an ad hoc committee uh, who will hopefully be the, the front face uh, uh, of this board as we engage HMA. And I've had a number of trustees who've shown a keen interest in this particular issue. So I'm very pleased to announce that trustee Dong will be the chair of this committee. Trustees Banerjee and Estine and myself will also be on this committee. Remember, no ad hoc committee should constitute more than uh, a quorum of the board, so four members at most. Of course, this committee who will be the front face as we engage with HMA and HICSA and our soups um, uh, and, uh, and the like, um, will entertain all the input of all our trustees. But I wanted to kind of give um, our, our, our guests in the room and, and our partners at HICSA and, and, and the supervisor's office, the names of who will be kind of uh, being uh, the representatives uh, for this board of trustees. So with that, uh, I'll open up for any comment. Trustee Dong, do you have any comment? Uh, or Madam Chair Dong of this committee, do you have any comment? Mm. No, I thank you for um, uh, the appointment and I look forward to working with the ad hoc committee. The timeline is quick and fast, um, as you can see from the presentation and the slideshow from the county. And I look forward to working with all the players and. Um, the county HMA, and I think I see Supervisor Chan on the participant list on the call. So uh, thank you to the health committee and recognizing that Supervisor Chan is on the line with us. Got it, she's connecting, I see. Yes, so she'll be part of this dialogue. So Mr. Friedman, Mr. Norris, we look forward to seeing you in about 30 minutes or so, hopefully if I'm keeping us on time. With that, we will close out item E and we will go into item F. This is the consent agenda. May I entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda? I move. So moved. Second. Uh, we have a motion from Trustee Banerjee, a second from Trustee Esteen. I'll open this up for comment, if any. Um, any comment on the minutes? We there, there, there's a large cluster of minutes. Uh, November 13th, a regular meeting, a November 17th special meeting, a November 24th special meeting, and of course the December 16th. Uh, there is the Board of Trustees meeting schedule set there, trying to reset towards Wednesdays. Um, I, I note that, the, that our uh, anticipated retreats are not on there. I think, I think this is a large, uh, uh, it's a good first step, but there might be some dates that we might need to adjust, which of course we'll have to approve. I note that August is dark. It has historically been dark for this board, except for the QPSC. And we, we, get, we have a lot of work to do, and that begs the question as to whether we need to be dark. Um, I'm not sure we need to address that tonight, but we will have to approve this. Um, I also note that in December, uh, we are dark as well, but with the new calendar, with the Board of Trustee meeting happening at week two and finance happening at week one, there's opportunity if work is needed in that regard. So I'll open up for any comment, and barring none, uh, we can go into a, a, a vote, but any comment? with regard to the calendar. Crickets. Okay. Uh, uh, does this one require, a, should we be ro roll calling all night tonight, Mike? 
Uh, uh, Madam Clerk, let's roll call this one, please. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. She nodded her head. Aye. Okay. Thank you. Trustee Dong. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Yes. Trustee Splendoria. I vote yes as to the December 16th minutes. I abstain from the other three and I approve the schedule as a yes. Excellent. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. With that, we close item F and we move into item G coming around the corner. Um, let's go into item G1 and, and, and uh, G2, which are related, but we'll open up with G1. I'll give this one to general counsel who also chairs the retirement plans investment committee. This is an action item, by the way, and uh, general counsel will give us some background on this. Yes, yeah, so you all have in your packet uh, a memo which outlines the history of an appointment to the retirement plans investment committee from this board. Um, so uh, just assuming you all have had a chance to read all of that, I'll just sort of pause here and see if there's any initial questions uh, or anything that needs to be clarified in terms of what sitting on that committee uh, entails. Trustees, any questions? I'll say I've had comment with uh, the trustees and, and Mr. Fox has deep financial experience. I think this is appropriate and he is willing. So may I entertain a motion uh, to have Mr. Fo uh, Trustee Fox represent us in this capacity. So moved. Second. Uh, uh, roll call on this one. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Dong. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Stay. Trustee Jensen. Trustee Jensen. I, what was the motion? I, I'm sorry. Uh, to approve uh, a Trustee Fox as our representative to the Retirement Plans Investment Committee. Oh, great. Yes. I, um, yes. Trustee Splendorio. Aye. Motion passes. Thank you, Madam Clerk. With that, while we're moving along, we'll go to item two. This is a resolution approving the amendment to AHS's defined contribution and defined benefit plans. In the room tonight, we'll have our CHRO, Mr. Tony Redmond. Hi, Tony. Hi, Taft. So, are there any questions about the resolution that's before you? Trustees, any questions? Uh, Mr. Chair? Yes, ma'am, go for it. Uh, quick question for... Um... Uh, Mr. Redmond, we're, we are um, altering this policy as a result of, for compliance purposes, 100% compliance. Correct. Is that correct? Yes. Right. Thank you. Uh, it, was, it was a well-drafted report. I, I myself have no questions. Um, I'm looking around. I see no others. May I entertain a motion to approve item G2? So moved. Move. Second. Um, roll call, please. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. 
Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Dong. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Trustee Splendorio. Aye. Aye. Motion passes unanimously. Okay, team, trying to make it easy. Let's go into item G3. This is approval of a contract amendment with Fulgent Therapeutics. This had migrated through the finance committee. The fi finance committee uh, uh, chose to defer on this action. So I imagine there might be some dialogue. I hope you've all read it. This is for enterprise level uh, laboratory services for processing COVID-19 tests. So um, uh, uh, let me get a motion in a second, then we can have dialogue. Motion to approve item G3. So moved. So moved. Do we have a second? Second. Second. Now I'll open up for dialogue and questions which pertain to this item, which we didn't have as much at the finance level. Um, I'll, I'll take it from anyone who has commentary. Or perhaps finance committee members have had time to digest. Perhaps ask Mr. Redmond to give a little more background on, the, 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 he gave us some background at the Finance Committee. Perhaps he could provide the same. Um, the Fulgent contract uh, are providers of COVID-19 testing for AHS. We engaged them in April, May, of, around the April, May time of 2020, uh, because we had capacity issues with Highland Lab. Uh, there was an increase in demand when we were required to start testing all employees in our skilled nursing facilities on a regular basis and the patients there. And we had an insufficient ca testing capacity at Highland. We were being asked to process about 1,200 tests a week, and we had capacity for 700 a week. So we engaged with Fulgent. They allow us to both take the test, uh, process the tests, and have that added to a reporting system so we can see the results of the test and make a determination. Then do we need to do contact tracing on employees to keep them safe? Um, we intend to bring it in-house. We have a new analyzer that's come online in our lab at Highland, and we believe we can uh, use Epic to bring this in-house. But while that is built out, we continue to need Fulgent. It's really a relief uh, valve for us right now to maintain our capacity. Uh, since we engaged in the contract, we also received an all facilities letter to be able to ensure we provide testing to our employees uh, should they wish to be tested. Uh, right now, they're going to the Henry J. Kaiser Center, and we're providing that on a regular basis, but we need to expand that testing capacity. So again, this is a, a relief valve if we can't manage the volume in-house. Uh, but we are trying to bring it back in-house to be done by our own lab and EPIC. Uh, but this is to ensure we don't violate the approval of the contract amount of the original contract. Does that Mr. provide? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, um, may I ask uh, Mr. Redman um, a couple of questions related? Um, what kind of, of test and what is the result response time? So uh, the, resp the response time has been varied. So it's been as low as 24 hours. It's been as long as five days. So it's a variable response time. We've, we've worked with them when the response time picked up. It was predominantly driven by volume that they were processing more tests from around the country. Uh, but it's generally around 24 to 48 hours in terms of response time. I don't have the detail on the exact test and would need to defer to, to our chair of the laboratory, but can get that to you and I'll send a message out to you on that. Thank you. I have a, I have a question. Trustee Blue. 
Yeah, what is the goal? How many are you trying to get tested per day? It, it isn't that we have a specific goal. Um, we have varying needs. So when we had an outbreak in our skilled nursing facility, which was at Park Ridge, we became required to test every employee in that facility on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And so the volume picked up and we just didn't have the capacity in-house. We don't have a specific goal. We've had a recent outbreak at Park Bridge and we'll be talking about that next week at HR Committee because Trustee Jensen has requested some information there. Uh, and when that occurs, we needed to test all the residents uh, twice a week and all the employees twice a week. So the volume picked up dramatically in those facilities. Uh, so it's not necessarily that we have a specific target. It's that we're doing it on an as-needed basis. We've had a couple of exposures in the ED at Highland, and then we were required to test every employee in the ED, make sure they felt comfortable and also obviously necessary to do so we could do appropriate contract tracing. So it's not necessarily based on the volume we're trying to get to. The demand has picked up sufficiently that it exceeded 1,200 a week, uh, not that we have a specific target of people we're trying to test. And in terms of people that work in our hospitals, aren't they supposed to be tested? They're supposed to have testing. They're supposed to have testing available to them. Uh, we're doing that through the Henry J. Kaiser Center right now, and we're trying to move testing in-house from this Fulgent contract so we can expand our capacity. So we're working on that uh, with our physician leadership uh, and with our lab leadership. I think it would be helpful if at least for me, if I understood what the goal is as we're facing this pandemic and we're going to see another surge mm -hmm. and we're going to be short of hospital workers if we don't try to get in front of the testing so that they can get whatever care they need or the vaccine that they need. That's what concerns me. Okay. Could, could you say more about the, the goal so I understand when you say the goal? The, the goal of the contract is to provide the lab services so we can provide testing. It, it itself doesn't have a specific goal. Are you asking, do we as an organization have a goal of number of people to be tested? Yes. Okay, got it, understood. Um, on the vaccination side, we're gonna report out on that next week in HR committee, and there may be something on the agenda tonight that refers to that. Uh, we have um, vaccinated over 3,000 employees at this point. And we continue to work through our wave A and wave B, but I'll, I'll hold on any more information on that because I know uh, Dr. Swift is going to speak about that later. Uh, Dr. Bouquet, Trustee Bouquet, may I ask uh, Dr. Tornabin, who is, uh, I think she is on the call to just shed some light about our current lab capacity that has expanded tremendously. Felicia, are you on the call? Can you, just give, can you shed some yeah. light just to reassure Trustee Blue? about her question about our capacity that we are building. Felicia, hold oh, on. Oh, sure. Felicia, hold on one sec. Trustee, this is Dr. Felicia Tornabene. She's our Associate Chief Medical Officer uh, for the system. Okay? Dr. Hi, Tornabene, good Thank you. Yeah. Hi. Good evening, uh, trustees. Yeah. Over uh, the past year, as, as Mr. Redman described, we initially had very limited testing capacity, and it's really a credit to the lab and our laboratory leadership that they have pursued um, uh, bringing in new instruments in order to greatly expand our capacity for doing internal COVID-19 testing. Most recently, there was the installation of some instruments at the Alameda Hospital Lab, um, which is um, a high capacity instrument for COVID-19 testing. 
um, that will uh, that already we're doing more and more testing using that instrument, and we intend. Um, as we transition um, into expanding our employee health uh, testing um, to use that uh, high capacity instrument at Alameda Hospital in order to process these labs. However, as Mr. Redman was saying, we're still in a transition phase as we're trying to bring up the employee health testing program. Uh, Felicia, can you give comment about the turnaround time in our current state with the Alameda Hospital uh, high capacity testing? Within 24 hours. So, so I, I guess my comments on this, uh, sorry, uh, Trustee Jensen. Oh, um, thank you. My and then Trustee Banner. My question about the, the Fulgent Lab uh, contract, is this to process the in-house the in-house test? So we are gonna not be sending out the tests, is that correct? No, slightly different. Right now, Fulgent is, I, I would say, an addition to our in-house testing capacity. So it's a, it's a way to expand to meet the demand. We couldn't process everything in-house. And so Fulgent is an external provider that both provides us the test, we take the sample, we then send it to Fulgent, they process it and provide us the results. We also do that in-house in our own lab. Uh, but there was just insufficient capacity. So they're an, an add-on to what we have to ensure we could meet the demand of both our employees and our patients. Predominantly those patients were in the skilled nursing facility where the volume went up dramatically uh, earlier this year based on a, a CDPH requirements of testing. So um, we are actually, our, our um, staff who needs testing, we advise them to get testing at offsite if they are um, if they're not at work, correct? Right. We have, we have a mixture of resources. Sorry, Felicia, I see you're going to respond. Oh, sure. Yeah. We as uh, yeah, indeed, we have a, a variety of, of resources. Um, so for our employees who are symptomatic, we have a process for um, in um, seeing those employees through our urgent care or those employees would go to their own healthcare provider. For asymptomatic um, staff, um, any of those staff can access our Henry J. Kaiser site. Um, ideally, if a staff is symptomatic, um, they, will, they would notify our employee health. Um, uh, if they choose to go to the Henry J. Kaiser site, we still would want those employees to make sure that they're engaging with our employee health. Um, but um, those are primarily the, the, two, the two locations right now. And then we're in the process of building um, internal capacity that we hope to locate at some of our acute care campuses. Thank and um, what's the, do we have a, a, a different, what is the turnaround for testing? And is it different for asymptomatic versus symptomatic? And is it different for depending on if you're scheduled to work sooner? Oh yeah. I, um, so the the turnaround time is depending on the the lab and then the type of test that that gets sent. For any uh, for for the most part, the tests that get sent either from the urgent care or from the Henry J Kaiser site are are will result in as soon as twenty four, but up to five days if there's if there's delays. Really more on the the Fulgent side. Um, in general, we're not using for our employees any of the so-called, quote, rapid tests that could result in as soon as, as an hour. But typically, we don't use those for our employees. Mm -hmm. So in, if an employee is exposed, then they tend to be um, 
they tend to be off work or, or mm -hmm. quarantined for at least um, 48 to, to up to 72 hours or more, 96 hours. Yeah, for a full quarantine, and I defer certainly to our director of employee health um, for the full program, but if you have a high, um, a high risk exposure, then the days of quarantine are um, uh, dictated by guidelines at the county and, and federal level. Um, in fact, there was a recent document developed by the Alameda County Public Health Department that really helps um, define that. And so um, typically the, the days of quarantine after a high-risk exposure are anywhere between 10 and 14 days, depending on the characteristics of the exposure and if that uh, employee is uh, works in a, in a congregate setting or has close con contact with immunosuppressed um, uh, persons in that person's day-to-day -day life. Thank you, Dr. Tornabene, and um, to, through the chair, I apologize for taking up so much time. I know this is different. No, this, these are important things. I'll make comments on that after Trustee Banerjee. Um, Tony, in the Finance Committee, what we heard with this, uh, the Fulgent, um, if, with this contract is that they are, we have a volume-based discount, and unfortunately, of course, the volume is more, but if we were to like at some point in time, uh, we built our internal capacity and we were able to do more tests in house and do that and we had to scale back, there wouldn't be any penalty or anything like that. It, it's on a, is that correct? Correct, the, the, the contract is a pay as you use it. So what we're doing is ensuring with the, the, the sole purpose of this expansion that you're reviewing today is to ensure we don't exceed the authority of the board already granted or that we have in the contract. We are using this vendor today. Uh, we don't want to exceed the approved amount, which is why we're seeing the, this approval from you, so we can continue to use them if necessary. If it's not necessary because we've come completed the building EPIC and the expanded services in the lab, we won't use it. It's solely to, to mitigate any issues we have as we complete the building EPIC and the expansion of uh, the expansion of our capacity within our labs. As we're able to deal with that internally, then we'll no longer use the Fulgent contract. If something were to happen though, we want to ensure that we're not gonna slow down any testing. And so we need this alternative uh, alternative testing uh, so that we don't you know, slow things down for the organization if we need it. So that, that's solely the purpose of what we're discussing today or the, this contract. Yeah. And if, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Trustee Fox. Is the expense for this contract included in the budget for this year? It is not. This was an un, uh, an unfunded item. Uh, it came about for multiple reasons. We simply didn't have the capacity to test our employees. We now have an AFL that requires us to make, uh, as uh, Trustee Blue mentioned earlier, uh, to make testing available to employees who want to be tested. Uh, and so we just it was something that we had no choice but to do, and we'll have to run a variance on that and identify other ways to cover the cost. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's it was not something that was planned for. Before we go on to further comment, I see Trustee Blue and I see Mr. Espinoza. Let me say this: that the the the, uh, the our focus here is is on the contract, and I appreciate the questions, but I think the space needs to be afforded for this is a very broad dialogue. I'd say the QPSC would be a great place. To, to broaden the dialogue on uh, getting this new board of trustees up to speed on where AHS sits within, within COVID. So we're piecemealing part of these questions is what I'll say. And, and I'll beg your indulgence as we're coming to time on this. I'm gonna give trustee Blue 
And then uh, Mr. Espinosa, if you need it for now, you can make a comment. Otherwise, we will, we will make space at QPSC. So Trustee Blue first. Yeah, the only comment I wanted to make was, what can we as a board help? help? How can we help you out here? We can approve this. You can approve this contract. <laughs> there anything that, more it, we can do, right? Because uh, to me, it just seems ridiculous that we can't get out more help until we get to capacity internally. And I know there's sources out there that we could tap into that we should look into, but. Yeah, uh, we are happy to hear your thoughts and feedback on that. Obviously you asked the, the, the objective today was around this contract, but if you have other thoughts, um, if the chair wants to discuss that in QPSC or find other ways for you to provide that to us, I'm more than happy to hear it. I'm sure Dr. Tony Benny is and the, the employee health team and others involved in this. We're always have to get additional resources and, and ways to provide support to our staff. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. And, and rest assured that this COVID-19 will be given space for discussion and we're doing it in pieces. Mr. Espinoza. Well, I just wanted to add, you know, to piggyback on what Dr. Tony Benny said and, and what Tony Redmond said, we, we in the post-executive work closely with Dr. Ng in our lab and as of this week, we're in all of our resident testing in-house. So that will be done within our hospitals. And so that's a large portion of testing. So we are being uh, fiscally responsible and looking at ways to make sure that we're utilizing our hospitals as best as possible. And so Fulgent has been great to help us meet the CDPH AFL requirement by law to test our residents and our uh, staff weekly um, in the outbreak, but we are bringing in the resident testing this week. So that would reduce the amount that we would need Fulgen, at least for our residents. So I just wanted to throw that out. Thank you, Mr. Espinoza. And to introduce Mr. Espinoza, trustees, he's our chief, uh, chief administrative officer for post-acute. So again, let, let's, uh, I propose we give this space at QPSC. QPSC is actually our biggest committee. We have six members on the QPSC. We might have to reframe that uh, given uh, some of the issues, but uh, that's in two weeks and let's give our staff time to present a report which brings the trustees up to speed. So with that, I'm gonna ask for uh, a roll call on, on approval of this item, item G3, this $1.001 um, million dollar contract with Fulgen. Uh, Madam Clerk. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Trustee Blue. Aye. Thank you. Trustee Dong. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Yes. Trustee Splendoria. Yes. Motion passes. Thank you. Motion passes on G3. And rest assured, there will be continued dialogue about COVID. So, wow, item G4 is about COVID. But let's remain focused, trustees. This is just about our vaccination program. We're running about plus 15 minutes on the projection for time. We're going to strive to keep this at 10 minutes. I've asked our Vice President of, of Population Health, Dr. Minnie Swift, and our Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Ghassan Jamaluddin, to give us some of the broad strokes about about our vaccination uh, program, if you will. And remember, there are other certain questions which relate to COVID, but we're trying to remain focused here to get through this. And broad space will be given to a COVID the state of COVID-19 in our system in a subsequent meeting. Uh, Dr. J and Dr. Swift, welcome. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you, Trustee Bouquet. Uh, so, uh, and I appreciate the question that were uh, sent by email to help to focus this 10 minutes. Uh, so, uh, Alameda Health System, we started to uh, plan for the vaccination sometime in uh, mid-November when we started ordering the uh, freezers and start to organize our workforce in terms of the risk of exposure. Uh, it was around that time that Pfizer has filed their uh, emergency utilization authorization to the FDA in uh, about mid uh, to end uh, November, and it was scheduled to be authorized on December 11th. So uh, on December, uh, around the beginning of December, uh, uh, we, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Minnie Swift agreed to take to lead the task force on vaccination, and she formulated the task force order to be ready to start vaccinating as soon as we get uh, the vaccine. So, so far, uh, as you know, we have two vaccines that are under emergency utilization authorization. One is the Pfizer that requires deep freezing, and it requires two uh, injections three weeks apart, uh, 17 to 21 days. And we have also the Moderna vaccine uh, that is also a messenger RNA but does not require defreezing and can be kept at a refrigerated level. Uh, we have initiated the vaccination within 24 hours of receipt of the vaccine, and we have been uh, uh, very effective in following uh, the recommendation of the advisory committee on immunization practices that was given to the uh, FDA and then also passed on to the California Department of Health and the in the county. With that, I want to pass it on to Dr. Swift to give uh, a little bit more uh, details and highlights of, uh, of our numbers and uh, try to answer more questions. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about our vaccination program. Good evening. Um, I wanted to give some highlights about the phases in the tiering system. Um, I'm thinking this is a very complicated way of organizing all these different populations. I can go over it now and then um, Trustee Bouquet, perhaps at a later time when we're talking about COVID in more detail, it might be more helpful to have a visual um, to right. see Good how these, yeah. these populations are divided. But the, the basic principle here is that there are three phases. Phase one is where we find ourselves potentially limited by the supply of the vaccine as doses become available. Phase two is when a large number of vaccines will become available. And then phase three is when we have a sufficient supply for doses for the entire population across the country. The challenge here to explain is that each phase then has a, um, a tiering system within it. Um, that allows us to um, further describe specific populations who are going to be, you know, the, the sequence in which uh, we hope to vaccinate particular populations. So we've all heard and know that we're in phase one now. Those are healthcare workers. Um, there are three tiers in this um, bucket acute care, long term care facilities, EMTs, dialysis centers, um, home health. And recently we've heard that all three tiers have been collapsed and we're moving forward in this county with all three. Phase B is where we start to see um, um, more people vaccinated with age requirements, ages over 75, essential workers and other um, types of industries like education, emergency services, food and agriculture. Um, we are currently at AHS preparing in preparation for this phase because this will involve 
uh, the vaccination of our patients um, over the age of 75 and our patients who are essential workers. Um, there are further descriptions of the populations in each of the phases, but I said, as I said, mentioned before, I think it's just best to have a visual. Yes, ma'am. As Dr. Jamaluddin indicated, we're using Pfizer and Moderna. We have far more doses of Pfizer than we do of Moderna, um, and each one has its own um, complexities. To date, we have, um, as this data, the data keeps changing, obviously, because we keep vaccinating people. So as of yesterday at midnight, we had vaccinated 3,776 staff members. So we are in the process of vaccinating two populations of people, staff and patients. In the staff bucket, these are the 3,776. 2,011 of these individuals have had their first dose. Um, in our wave A, which we're considering our acute care services, um, about 1,000 people have now received their second dose, and we hope to complete those, um, those second doses this week and early next week. Um, we've also uh, opened it up to what we're considering wave B. Those are people who, um, staff members who have some exposure to COVID. Um, they're most likely working in our ambulatory settings. They have some exposure to COVID. They're critical to our COVID response, but they're not personally experiencing the length of exposure as, say, someone in the ICU or emergency room. So um, that wave, we invited them to start scheduling their vaccinations last Friday, and we probably will complete the majority of the people in this wave um, this week and early next week. Um, the strategy here is a little bit different. So for wave A, we were using Pfizer exclusively. Um, we will open three separate clinics at our um, wellness centers at Eastmont, Newark, and Hayward, and we will be using Moderna there because um, we don't have the same... Um, cold storage requirements there and those um, we can our, we can honor our principle of trying whenever we can to bring these doses to our staff in the places that they work. Um, there's been a lot of questions and interest about the declinations. Um, how many do we have? Is there a rate? And I can say that we are very interested in understanding um, who is um, not stepping forward uh, immediately to receive this vaccination and what the reasons may be and in, and the volume. I can say that it's a little bit challenging at this point to understand the total number of people um, because we are collecting data in two systems, Axion for documentation and Epic for scheduling. And so uh, some people, a little less than 400 individuals have logged into Axion and completed the activity of declining. But we know that many more people have just not logged into Axion or they have not made their appointment. And so these are in, in direct ways of um, seeing that people, some people are, um, are waiting a little bit. And so we hope to have more data, but we don't have the precision that we would like to have at this point. Um, the second population of patients are those that are in our long-term care facilities. And our team, led by Richard Espinosa, as I mentioned at our previous meeting, um, early on had the foresight to arrange um, a collaboration with Walgreens. And to date, we're happy to report that approximately 160, 161 patients have been vaccinated at our sites. Walgreens has come a couple of times, um, and that has been um, so thrilling to see. Um, as I mentioned before, we are now um, in the process of um, vaccinating our staff and planning for patients. 
We are also, so we have a work group that we um, began today working on that. We're also looking at the issue of um, what the media and we, we all are looking at as hesitancy. Uh, we have a work group that's looking at the reasons why folks may not be um, making their appointments. Um, is more education required? Are there, what are the barriers? What are the ways in which we can support our staff in order to provide the information that they need to make the decision? And inherent, of course, in all of our work is a core principle of looking at disparities, health equity, and justice. Um, I just wanted to share a couple lessons we've learned to date. I think initially our hypothesis was as a nation and as a planning committee that we thought the problem would be vaccination, vaccine shortage. Um, but like we're finding in many things in this pandemic and our response, it's actually staffing. Staffing, we are you know, using the same expertise to put that needle in a deltoid. The same staff are doing that and we're also taking care of patients and honoring our unique social contract with this community through, you know, in providing our trauma services, maternal and child health, um, psychiatric services, and I could keep going on, but we're using that same staff. We've had to become very creative as our, um, as our um, rates of COVID hospitalization have increased periodically. Um, and I can say an, another important lesson is that we have been reminded of the resiliency, creativity, nimbleness, and agility of our staff. People from across this organization have stepped forward to form a labor pool to continue the work that we do here. Second lesson, I would say that it is important to have empathy for everyone. This is such a difficult time uh, with the pandemic and things are changing at every level. Um, at CDPH, at the county level, our colleagues and other organizations, everyone is doing their best. Things are changing literally every day. Um, and it's very easy to be frustrated or to point fingers or to, I think, wonder why different organizations are struggling. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is um, our principles that we set forward are the things that assist us with navigating these nebulous mm -hmm. and changing situations. Um, and with that, I'll stop. Thank you, Dr. Swift, for that. Um, uh, uh, being mindful of uh, the time allotted this, but wanting to entertain questions, I'll maybe keep it as a simple question. What, what do you need from the Board of Trustees in support of this very, very important initiative for our system? What do you need? I'll, um, thank you so much um, for offering your assistance. I, I think at this point we, we have what we need. Um, we have our staffing, you know, we have the space stuff and staff. We have the ability to plan. Um, I think we, we have enjoyed your support and focus on this important topic. Um, at this time, nothing really comes to mind. I'll defer to Dr. Jamaluddin. Dr. J, what do you need? Thank you. Uh, thank you, Taft. Uh, uh, so, uh, as you know, we have uh, tried to use actually the principle of steep here. We want to deliver safe, uh, uh, timely, uh, equitable, effective, uh, and person-centered uh, the vaccine. Um, and uh, we have had like a huge amount of support. There is an army working behind this, but it really reminds me what a great organization we are. You know, when I walk and see people uh, vaccinated, being vaccinated and vaccinating and then taking care of the, uh, of the COVID patient at the same time, we will need resources 
uh, eventually, uh, and we have uh, we have asked for some resources from HR to beef up the H, uh, the human resource employee health uh, uh, that we have put on uh, more FTEs in this. So we will we will come with more specific, and we let you know. Thank you. And we'll work with Mr. Uh, with uh, Mr. James Jackson also on this uh, in the in the next phase. Of course. I guess my some of my assessment comments as we're sort of trying to come to a close on this item. But of course, if anyone has a comment, I'll let, uh, entertain it. Um, Dr. Swift and Dr. Jay reported approximately 3,800 employees have had uh, their, in, their at least injection number one. Remember, we're an approximately 4,400, 4,500 uh, employee organization. So that approximates around 85% of our employees have been vaccinated. And I, I say that that, that de deserves a hurrah. We can always get at more, but that deserves a hurrah. And I, I think it has been a Herculean task to get this on deck. And uh, I, I applaud the staff who've done it. Trustees, any questions on this on this item? Trustee Dong. Um, no, no questions. Uh, thank you. Um, and I do want to make an offer today. I, I don't know if you all are aware, but the scope of the state allowed the scope of practice for EMTs and paramedics to allow them to vaccinate during COVID-19. And today I assisted with another FQHC in getting uh, the firefighters to help vaccinate. So my offer to you both to assist you in creating a partnership should you need it. Second, a big thank you to, um, and a belated thank you to Dr. Freeman Garrett for leading the county's COVID-19 task force. She's just excellent, so thank you. She is excellent, hurrah to her as well. I'd like to ask a question. Of course, trustee. Uh, the staff of other hospitals at Alameda, Alameda County, are they at the same percentage of vaccination? So it is variable, meaning maybe you know, have more uh, data about this. Yeah, I think we, um, I only have, um, I don't have precise information about other organizations. Um, we do have the benefit of joining a call hosted by our county uh, partners every week where we hear um, updates from various organizations. Um, it seems to me um, with our that we are on par with our colleagues in our rate of vaccination and our rate of completion for our acute services yeah. and for like vaccinating the, the core staff and departments that are essential to our response for, COVID, for the pandemic. I'd like to add uh, just uh, Trustee Splendorio that also we have vaccinated the medical staff and the medical staff are uh, besides the EBMG employed and AHS employed, we have medical staff that are uh, contracted or not, uh, they are self-employed. So we have opened our vaccination processes to all our medical staff in addition. Okay, thank you, Dr. J. Trustees, any other further comments? Thank you. Thank you for those reports, Dr. Swift and Dr. Jamaluddin. We'll, we'll maybe uh, include a version of this as in an expanded dialogue on COVID at the next quality meeting, if that's okay with you. We'd be happy to do so. We'd love that, to be there. Will that, will that, we'll close item G4 and I'm only running us 21 minutes late, but hopefully we'll do better. It's my understanding, uh, council, that we have a uh, public comment on item G5, uh, the county update on the governance reform process I believe it's Mr. Nato Green. Hello, Nato. Uh, hello, Dr. Bouquet. Uh, hello, trustees. Um, Welcome, uh, Nato. Three minutes on the clock. Is that cool, sir? That's that's fine. Yes, um, 
Hey everybody, uh, I am Nato Green. I, I work for SEIU 10 to 1. I'm the chief negotiator for uh, the, I want to say 3,200 members of SEIU across the system. Um, uh, some, uh, my title is, uh, I believe, Commandante is what I usually use, um, or chief negotiator, whatever you prefer. It's all good. Um, we are excited to work with you all and um, glad to be uh, you know, entering a new relationship with the trustees and having a new CEO to to uh, uh, to be getting to know um, and a new bargaining team, and we're working swiftly to try to. Um, we it's a priority for our membership, obviously, to settle our union contracts, but we're also looking forward to getting the contracts behind us so that we they are not that is not creeping into a conversation about governance, which continues to be a big priority for us. And um, and so we're glad to be working with you all and with the county uh, to think about the the future of the system and the, and the governance, uh, you know, how the governance should be changed. And um, one of the things that that uh, looking at the presentation that's prepared for today that I sort of wanted to, to highlight is that um, we are uh, in agreement with the goals of the of the consultant process around looking at transparency and accountability um, and collaboration with stakeholders. But we want to make sure, you know, as with anything, if you if you don't ask the right questions, you won't get the right answers. And um, and we want to make sure that one of the questions that's on the table squarely as we talk about governance is the financial model itself. Um, what are the, the nature of the permanent agreement and the funding structure of AHS, because what our members uh, say to say to us continuously is that the system is is permanently and structurally underfunded, um, and that the conditions that our patients have to endure would would not be tolerated for one day for patients in Walnut Creek or Castro Valley, and um, uh, and so. You know, we believe that in a region with the riches of the Bay Area, um, Alameda County deserves a world-class health system, and SEIU is committed to working with you all to make sure that we have the resources that we need, and we want to make sure that we have a financial model that doesn't tie our hands uh, and prevent us from uh, from showing up for our community. So um, we want to make sure that that's part of the conversation as well as we go into the governance process. Thank you. NATO, appreciative of your comments. Thank you very much. With that, we will enter into item G5, uh, the, the featured uh, item of the evening, um, after, after, of course, our interim CEO. This is the county update on governance reform process. And as an introduction to this, I want to reemphasize what we've agreed as a board. Our two biggest uh, 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 things on our list were, number one, getting an interim CEO in place, and two, fully engaging on this dialogue around governance. This evening in the room as our guests slash partners, uh, I, I believe that Supervisor Chan is in the room, so welcome, Dr. Chan. I mean, Supervisor Chan. Next, we have Colleen Chala. For for the for for the trustees, I want to remind everyone what the Healthcare Services Agency is. Hello, uh, Supervisor Chan. HICSA is a approximately one billion dollar organization which sits here within the county. Uh, Ms. Chala is the director of it. There are four main divisions on that: behavioral health, that's going to be important to us; public health, of course, which is important to us; environmental health. And then the so-called agency of the director, which uh, I think uh, Ms. Chala explained to me is kind of a smorgasbord of things, which includes EMS, HPAC, Healthy Schools, Homeless Initiatives, and the like. So Colleen uh, is, is going to be a critical partner here as well. In the room uh, as well are Jonathan Friedman, who's the regional vice president of Health Management Associates, 
and Ethan Norris, who's a senior consultant with the same group. They've been consulted by the soups to help us explore this dialogue. And, and, and so that's the framework for this. Um, uh, I'm going to offer uh, Supervisor Chan a, a moment to comment, and then I'm gonna give it, uh, Ms. Chala, uh, to you and if you'll drive us, is that okay? Hi, Supervisor Chan. You're on mute, Supervisor Chan. Supervisor Chan, you're on mute. Oh. Oh. Still on mute. It's always the tech. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> that worked. Okay. No. <laughs> I think that's it, Supervisor Chan. Uh, nope. <clears throat> so pending tech resolution, I'm going to call an audible and I'm going to uh, allow Ms. Chala, welcome. If you'll give us some introduction, introductory statements uh, and then we'll bring Supervisor Chan in when the tech allows us. Hi, Colleen. Hi, thank you for uh, having me here tonight and um, certainly interrupt me at any time, Supervisor Chan, if you um, uh, were, are able to unmute. Um, so I'm looking forward to the work that we're gonna do together. Um, I, I have had the opportunity to talk to some members of the Board of Trustees, as well as uh, your new interim CEO, and so I'm looking forward uh, to that work together. Um, the Healthcare Services Agency, as Dr. Bouquet uh, described, has uh, is a, 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 the the county's primary healthcare um, uh, direct report agency, and so we have really very uh, several um, important relationships with the Alameda Health System. Uh, in the area of health services and programs, Alameda Health System is critical to ensuring the county's Section 17,000 mandate, which is the health and safety code that requires counties to, uh, to um, provide indigent care. Uh, we, as, as uh, Dr. Bouquet noted, we operate the EMS system, and so the hospital's role um, as, a, as a trauma center and um, as a receiving hospital in our uh, EMS system is critical. We operate the Health Pack program, which is the coordinated care program for uninsured Alameda County residents, which is about 30,000 people in our county. Uh, and we do that through contracts with our uh, community-based providers, including Alameda Health System. And then as also Dr. Bouquet noted, we operate uh, the Behavioral Health Services Department, which um, is in contract um, with Alameda Health System for John George and other, uh, other programs and services related to behavioral health. We also have financial relationships with Alameda Health System. Um, measure A and Measure AA um, are is one is the is a key one. 
uh, Measure A or AA that was uh, renewed uh, provides uh, funding through a uh, half cent sales tax, three quarters of which go to Alameda Health System directly uh, and is the county's contribution to the safety net system and a quarter comes to the, to the healthcare services agency that we administer for other community-based programs. We're also a conduit for the intergovernmental transfer program, which uh, I think all of you are aware of the IGT program. There are many different IGT relationships that we have with AHS. Uh, we work closely on, on uh, to maximize federal funding through that program. Also at AB 85, which is uh, the uh, program that uh, uh, was implemented following the passage of the Affordable Care Act to ensure that indigent health care funds uh, remain um, available to serve in, uh, people who are uninsured um, in the county. Um, and then just for infrastructure purposes, we uh, there's a facility lease agreement uh, for the facilities of um, Alameda Health System that are owned by the county. And uh, also the rebuild, uh, the replacement of the acute care tower was something that was undertaken in partnership together between Alameda Health System and the county. So there are many areas of touch um, between um, the R2 systems and we are uh, really uh, inextric inextricably linked. So I'm really looking forward to the, to the work with the new board of trustees as well as um, your new interim CEO um, moving forward. Uh, and so in this context, uh, we've been asked by our Board of Supervisors to uh, look at... Pauline, apologies. I believe Sue Chan's um, mute. Supervisor I'm, Chan? Talk now. There we go. <laughs> apologies, uh, Colleen. No, no problem. Thank you. Oh, you don't want to finish, Colleen? She's going to give the intro right after you, Supervisor. Oh, okay. All right. First, um, nice to see all of you. I want to thank, um, acknowledge both the... Uh, board members, the four who uh, held over from before and the new ones. I know it's a lot of work and you've been doing a great job. This transition has been very smooth. So I'm very, I'm very pleased and proud of all of you. I also was really, really happy to hear the vaccination numbers for your staff. That's fantastic because um, it's been very difficult um, throughout the county. So you've done a great, great job on that. So thank you to the two doctors um, who made the presentation. Um, so let me just say, um, I've been following and, and uh, supporting um, AHS and its various iterations for 25 years now, if you can believe that. So um, I have a lot of um, history around it and a lot of feelings around the system. I, um, I have a lot of admiration for the staff and I think that we have a wonderful, um, wonderful system with a very, very important mission for Alameda County um, that's really um, probably unparalleled in, in any other county, I would say. So um, as you know, um, you're going to hear about the governance. Um, this issue has come up repeatedly over the last couple years. Um, and I think it centers around uh, a few things. I mean, the goals obviously are financial s sustainability. Um, all public hospitals are having this issue. So that that's definitely one. Um, continued patient care, uh, high quality patient care. Um, Cause I agree with whoever said, uh, I guess NATO said it, that our patients here in the public system deserve no less than anybody else. And um, I think we're also gonna have to look at our systems, all our public systems in a post COVID world. I mean, things will never go back to being quote, exactly the same normal. There's gonna be a new normal. So what role will our health system play? and what things will change um, in a post-COVID world. 
in terms of the governance, um, the Board of Supervisors, our aim is to have a better relationship with whoever is <laughs> comprises the board. It's been a little bit rocky. Um, we want more transparency in terms of finances and in terms of um, operations. Um, we've had some bad surprises, which I think your board has had them as well. And we'd like to know in advance if something's gonna happen. Um, we want more direct accountability with um, the administrative team. Although um, right now they report directly to your board, but there's been some issues around accountability of the CEO and the administrative team. Um, we want better labor relations and not just with our bargaining units, definitely with our bargaining units, but generally um, an attitude of more respect for staff overall, whether they be doctors, technicians, um, our, um, our, you know, all, uh, all workers at our facilities, um, we believe deserve um, respect and also more stronger partnerships um, between AHS and the county and with all our other community partners, positive partnerships we're looking forward to. So those are some of the, the goals we have. So we look forward to this discussion. We wanna um, hear, so we're gonna have a process which you're gonna hear about in terms of getting suggestions from different people. But um, this is a very important project to the Board of Supervisors and um, I'll continue to work on it because I, I truly, truly believe in the mission and uh, value of, of the system. Thank you very much for those words, Supervisor Chan. Uh, a, a nice context for what we're trying to engage in here. Uh, Ms. Chala, back to you if you'll lead us into the presentation. Apologies, we're running plus 35 minutes, but this, is, this was sort of built in and uh, this is, again, the feature presentation at this point. Um, Ms. Chala. Thank you, Dr. Bouquet. So, uh, we, with that context, with the context that the supervisor just um, just set, uh, as well as the relationships that the healthcare services agency and the county have with AHS, we were asked to uh, help uh, navigate the the governance conversation. Uh, and to do that, we engaged uh, health management associates. So Jonathan Friedman and um, Ethan Norris are here on the line today to go through um, our process. Mm. Uh, Dr. Clannon has been, um, I think most of you may know Dr. Kathleen Clannon. She uh, is our medical director and she is also a practicing physician at Alameda Health System. She's been our lead uh, on this. Unfortunately, she was not able to join us um, tonight, but she's been our lead on this and has been working very closely with HMA to put together a process that looks at governance models, includes stakeholder input, and takes these things together to develop recommendations for our board's consideration. So um, you'll hear from um, Mr. Friedman and Mr. Mor Mr. Norris uh, a little bit more about that plan. Thank you, Mr. Friedman and Mr. Norris, welcome. Uh, good evening. Uh, you, uh, you all have the slides, I believe, that are part of the board package. I don't know if you want it, it, it might be nice if the audience could walk through them. Um, I'm not tech savvy enough to take that lead. <laughs> Ethan, I'll, Ethan, I'll cover it here. Okay. He's generating that. I'll <clears throat> give you a little bit of background. Uh, Health Management Associates is an independent research uh, and consulting firm. It's been over 36 years um, in business. We primarily focus on publicly financed programs, 
Uh, most of the people in our firm, 250 people in our firm have had uh, senior level positions in state government, safety net systems, Medicaid agencies, uh, safety net health plans. <clears throat> I am uh, have over 30 years experience in California health and welfare. I've been with HMA for about five years, managed the Western region of the firm, have a number of county and safety net clients uh, throughout California. Prior to that, I was at LA Care Health Plan, which is the Alameda Alliance of Los Angeles there. And I was the interim COO and I handled strategy and product and regulatory affairs during the rollout of the ACA. For 26 years prior to that, I was in Los Angeles in a variety of executive and policy roles, reporting to the chief executive of the county and also within the health sector there. I was the chief deputy of the public health department. And I worked on the issue of governance uh, for the LA County system, which was not adopted. Uh, and I also worked on the development of the partnership between uh, LA County and the UC system to recreate King Hospital in South LA. So I have a deep understanding of the roles of counties, safety net systems, the financing arrangements of uh, our county hospital models in uh, California. Ethan, you want to say a few words? Uh, sure, thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Um, I uh, too have been with, uh, I too have been in healthcare for an extended period of time exclusively for over 25 years. Uh, and fortunately, um, uh, almost exclusively with safety net uh, providers and uh, payers and state agencies. Um, way back in the day, I started my career in California and it's been predominantly work in California, uh, evaluating disproportionate share in IGT programs, uh, evaluating access to services and working with county safety net, children's uh, hospitals, et cetera. Uh, outside of California, I have worked with other safety net providers in Arizona, Oklahoma, Michigan, uh, Texas, and Washington as well. And prior to joining HMA, um, all, about a year and a half ago, I was in leadership with a nonprofit FQHC owned health plan uh, that offers uh, Medicaid. Great. Why don't you advance the slide? Um, as uh, one more, one more after that. I think Supervisor Pan and Colleen outlined the objectives uh, that we've been engaged uh, to accomplish, uh, looking at these domains of study around accountability of the AHS CEO and executive leadership to the Board of Trustees and to the Board of Supervisors, the relationships, the relationships of the AHS system with its key partners, labor organizations, and the healthcare uh, services agency, and transparency about the operational financial challenges that face the system, decisions made to address those challenges, and, and notification processes. That's, in a nutshell, uh, what, we're, what we're looking at is current state as well as where we can make improvements structurally and process-wise to hit on these particular goals. Next slide. Um, this is a high level, if you follow on the left-hand side of the slides is our timeframes. 
for this. Uh, we're in the row two here in the information and research and stakeholder um, interview phase, uh, which I'll speak to in, in a moment, um, which we hope to carry into February. In February into uh, early March, develop a set of preliminary recommendations. And then by the end of March, develop a set of actionable recommendations on behalf of the Board of Supervisors, which may take various forms, actions at the county level or within the BOT construct or the AHS construct. And then implementation is a is a is contemplated obviously after that. Next slide. Um, one more. Um, so we're in a phase of this particular piece of our work has two dimensions to it. One is to look at other models in California of uh, public hospital governance, um, look at where there might be best practices to that, that, uh, that are employed in those settings that might be uh, applicable in, in the Alameda uh, setting and to generate that as a series of, of both an in, in effect an environmental scan as well as tools and features and ideas that um, need to be brought forward as potential considerations mm -hmm. to improve, to improve um, and, and have improved alignment among um, the key parties here. The second uh, component in this phase is a set of um, interviews. We have about approximately uh, 20 interviews on our uh, list in uh, uh, a universe of about 35 uh, people. So those, many of those will be group interviews. And in a later slide, you'll see the domains um, of uh, types of key parties and stakeholders that we aim to interview to gain insights uh, about what is working, what's not working, where features need to be improved, um, both in um, specific provisions that might be required in a bylaw or in a process or in an agreement, uh, as well as day-to-day uh, -day, uh, uh, operating practices and processes that uh, can be improved to have um, tighter alignment among the, the key parties within the Alameda ecosystem. And then the next two slides are really uh, with after this fact gathering phase, uh, which is um, development of uh, a recommended set of report to the to the county um, and uh, and their feedback and evaluation of that, and then uh, a generation of a final report off of that. And of course, we're very interested in uh, your governance subcommittee and uh, the way you are going to approach the, uh, particularly the, the newly constituted board and how you're gonna approach um, your roles in this. Uh, I think that plays a, a key role in, in uh, uh, informing us in this, in this uh, engagement. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, Why don't you go to the next slide, Ethan, and you can see the, these are the um, uh, categories, segments of key stakeholders. 
Board of Trustees, Board of Supervisors, management within the system, Alameda County Partners, that's the healthcare services agencies, CAO, Auditor, Healthcare District, the Alliance, Labor Partners, FQ, Physicians, Hospital, Consumer and Community. All right, thank you. Um, Ethan, do you mind taking it back to uh, uh, taking this off so we can all see each other? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, uh, sorry, Jonathan, I apologize. I think that was the slide set, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, it, it, if, if acceptable to you, I'd like to open, you up, open it up to questions from the trustees about how we're, what, what our opportunity to engage with you is, and there's probably gonna be some deeper questions. Mr. Finley's in the room, uh, uh, Mr. Jackson's in the room. I think I think there's a there's a lot of talent and perspective on this. So I'll go first with trustees and ask them if they have any questions on on the data. Uh, sorry, in, on the presentation uh, thus far. Trustee Dong. A uh, quick question: In terms of the interview list, um, it looks really good. But can you define further what you mean by community? Uh, a, a patient or consumer or patient advocate voice. Okay. Thank you. I've got a couple questions. Trustee Splendaro, go for it. Uh, the timeline you put up there, are you on time, behind time, and in front of time? We're on time. On time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, second question <clears throat> regarding um, interviews are those with the various stakeholders and here I, I have it on my screen here let me just go back up to it um are those all going to be individual i know you said some in groups are there going to be an opportunity to have to hear a, a group discussion between this board and the board of supervisors group discussion no we not contemplated that um okay um but but many of those segments uh, just to clarify, those those stakeholder segments, many of those interviews we aim to do as group interviews of two to three people. Okay, have you have yet? Do you typically do an assessment of the culture of an enterprise when you when you're engaged? It's variable. I mean, in an organization development type of engagement, perhaps, but this is around. Were you? Yes. Were you were you engaged to assess the the culture of this enterprise? No. If you had been asked, would you've suggested it? Um, I'm not close enough to that, so that's um, among the parties have to determine what that scope ought to be. And last question: If you, if you sense that there's an issue with the culture, would you raise it? Sure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Trustee Splendorio. Trustee Fox, please unmute yourself, sir, please. Uh, thank you for your presentation. Um, my question has to do with the fact that I think four of the eight of, of we trustees are new on the board. And uh, for background, I think, you know, what I've seen up to now is the grand jury report. Uh, but I was wondering if there are any other or will be any other opportunity to hear probably more, uh, chiefly from the Board of Supervisors, uh, 
some specifics about what the issues are that have led up to uh, getting to this point and engaging your firm uh, to review the uh, to review the governance structure. This is Wilma. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, okay. Um, you know, um, I'm I'm happy to have that discussion with any group of you, you know, offline, if you want, as part of the process. Um, so, you know, or, or send you more information on that. I'd like to add. Oh, oh go ahead. Uh, uh, Trustee Fox and then back to Trustee Banerjee. Oh, was that an acceptable answer, Trustee Fox? Um, yes. Uh, I don't know if there's any if there's any other information available, uh, but I'm sure hearing in, you know more detail from Supervisor Chan will be very helpful. Yeah. And uh, Trustee Fox, uh, I'll be happy to speak with you too. Our our board we meet uh, jointly with the uh, board of supervisors, but that is something that has been a, co a collective thing that we've been talking about for the last two years that we need to have. A talk about how to have a governance structure that sets up um, the right expectations both ways and set us up for operational, clinical, fiscal success with all the continuum of care. So, in the in the this has been an ongoing discussion. So, I'll be happy to add some um, fill fill you in as well. Okay. Um, uh, to Jonathan and Ethan. Uh, I think you 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 stated in your in your opening that you had about twenty people to interview. Was that correct? No, twenty about twenty one interviews that that um, are inclusive of a, a, a little over thirty. Oh, yeah. about yeah. Can you give me a rough percentage of what percentage of those are are, are from within AHS, be it their trustee, be it management, be it physicians? I think it's about five. I would say. Uh, five to six, Ethan, I think that's roughly that. Yeah, that's total. That's not, a, <clears throat> excuse me, that's uh, in total, not percentages. I, yeah. I think um, I was going to guess higher than that actually so far, but um, yeah. we haven't done outreach yet. Because my, my, my suggestion is we given the scope of this organization, we're a $1.1 billion operating uh, and, and the perspectives are broad from the executive team even within the executive team, finance holds slightly different perspective than quality than the CEO, the med staff leadership, labor leadership, of course, and uh, and of course the trustees. So my, my my humble request would be to expand the footprint of Alameda Health System in 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 your in your uh, inquiry uh, and fact fact finding mission. My very humble and strong request, trustee esteem. In the spirit that we keep talking about with this transparency and repair and trust, can we just get a list of who you're going to talk to up front instead of all this secretiveness? Hmm. Unless yep. you're afraid it's going to bias people's conversations, in which case trust is out the window. Hmm. No, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a secretive process uh, uh, here. So I've not been instructed by the county to do it a particular way, uh, et cetera. The county is uh, saying these are uh, parties to, to, to 
hear from, gain input from. Uh, I can record them in our report, not record them, but to uh, uh, have a list of the interviewees um, in, in our report. Um, I'm, I'm cautious of, of uh, creating an environment where uh, we're just going to assemble a list of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, there's interests here as well as an unmanageable list. So, the, so uh, I'm happy to provide you that list uh, when we get it uh, in the launch point of doing the interviews. Does it feel like you have the right amount of time to do this work? I do. I do. But, you know, I, this is my particular view of the circumstances. Some of you might be closer to it and say, no, it's far bigger than what this project is. I understand that. Um, but we've been tasked to, to by, the, by the county to look at this model and, and to look at ways in which the relationship of the trustees to the management, management to the trustees, the enterprise to the board of supervisors to be improved and best aligned. Uh, the aim of the interviews, the aim proper perspectives about that. It is the aim of the interviews is not to go to the end of the earth and capture all input. L let me just add that. Can um, I just finish real quick? Yeah, oh, go ahead. I'll just, I'll just ask one more question. Um, and then I'm sorry, Supervisor Chen, you can go right ahead. Um, I know that the ultimately the county is the purse and the county has the mandate that AHS operates under to serve the neediest folks in our community. Um, and because AHS has this mandate to operate within the governance structure, I do wonder about how this process is going to work out and, and uh, the input that goes into it. Uh, do you have a conclusion already in mind? Yeah, let me answer that. First of all, um, in terms of the time, you know, we don't want to rush it. But on the other hand, um, this is this, there's some urgency to resolving these issues because it's been going on for quite a bit of time, and um, we've been encouraged to you know move it along because government can sometimes be slow. We could drag this out for years. Um, so we're trying to balance um, getting full in, you know, as much input as possible and giving it as much time as well as making a, you know, a decision, you know, fairly soon. It's already been lengthened because of the COVID. It slowed stuff down as it was. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say is um, there are only so many models. It's not like you can just do anything. So, you know, it's really going to be a choice of maybe two or three things. It has not been predetermined, but um, I know a little bit about what's been going on in the state and stuff. So it's not like um, there's going to be 12 choices on the table here. Um, and because there are legal restrictions and um, uh, we have to fall within the uh, government code codes of California and, you know, there, there are financial relationships. So we're really going to be choosing between maybe three, three choices. Three I'm fixed asking. choices. Huh? Three fixed choices? Not fixed, but um, three, I, I, I'm not saying we have them, so I'm just throwing that out. I mean, I'm not saying I have on paper three choices, yeah. but I'm just saying it, it's going to be a finite um, number of choices. 
And a lot of it has to do with legal details. What okay. you can do, can't do, yeah. I guess I, forgive me for uh, belaboring the issue, but I thought that, uh, and I may be completely off base, I thought that part of this uh, investigative process was to remedy some of the things that occurred over the last several years uh, that uh, made relationships feel distrustful, that brought forward conflicting financial documentation and information, and that um, created uh, space for a new CEO and new board of trustees. Um, and so I thought that the governance process and this change was in order to insulate AHS and the county, not uh, to follow. I mean, I know we have to stay within the realm of the law, of course, and finances and reimbursements and all that. But I thought that we were trying to get to some kind of a philosophical change, not just uh, a process, if that makes sense. No, I, I think you're right. I'm just saying that unless unless there's something that we totally haven't seen in the state of California, in broad strokes, there's only a few kind of ways you can go within those. Um, they could be tailored to the particular situation in Alameda County. But, you know, like there's the San Francisco model that has a, a, a public health commission there's um, some models where the county health department runs the whole thing. I mean, you know, there's only certain ones. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying it's a somewhat finite choice. Trustee but if, we, if someone thinks of something brand new that's fabulous that works, hey, that's cool too. I, I, I haven't been able to think of it, but, you know, maybe we'll come up with something. Trustee Banerjee. Yeah, and um, I don't know if this was asked. I, I got you know, lost connection for a brief moment and was off Zoom. But um, will are we going to have like working groups between that? Because we have our um, our subcommittee uh, that's looking at the that's going to be um, the governance restructure. How are we interfacing with you all? Will there be um, will we see much more coordination happening? And you know, one of the reasons I stayed on on this board was also to be very, very, to make sure that we work um, to get this set up for success, to get AHS set up for success. It has been a conversation that's been going on. We've had so many times. So how are these two, how does our uh, subgroup of envisioning um, interface. interface? Well, I'm not sure what you, um, in, you know, I, I'm not sure what your conversations have been about your governance group. So it's kind of up to you how you want to um, have your governance group function and what you want it to do. From from our point of view, from the Board of Supervisors point of view, one is we, we definitely want your input. Um, and, you know, you all you guys are on our list in terms of what's working and what isn't working. Um, and then we would definitely, um, you know, once there are some recommendations we would probably um, have a, a a deep conversation with you um, about about what we've come up with but I'm not sure what you envision your governance committee doing um, so uh, supervisor Chan I'll speak to that uh, you know in the October letter um, to to the prior board you you asked uh, the, the supervisors asked for a deeper engagement on our part 
and that's that's what we want to provide and that's why we built an ad hoc uh, governance committee in support of this process my, I, I guess my suggestion is uh, that is a valuable resource uh, that I, I I would assert could go beyond just being interviewees being being party to the development of that and that that's the sort of the rationale and the genesis behind the committee we have trustee dong who who is chairing this committee my suggestion uh with all humility because uh mr friedman mr north you don't work for me um uh is to to engage this group of deeply interested people with with, with broad perspective on this beyond a mere interview i i i think i think a lot of insight and uh the, the 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 trustees who assembled they're, they're willing to give hours and hours and hours of it more than a, i think it i think it would be uh wasteful to develop the group and only give you know it's in and and the context is a 45 minute interview uh this group is willing to give tens of hours uh to, to this process and it's it's there for you to utilize because we can't impose ourselves on you um, but we have deep interest in being on this board and guiding it towards the towards towards whatever is the best answer. Fully acknowledging that we don't uh, actually, I'm going to speak for the group. I don't think any of us have a preconceived notion of what it should be either. We just want best, which includes, as it said, the financial viability of this organization, so that we can keep executing what we want to execute, uh, which is improving the patient care and the long-term fiscal viability. So. I say we have a group there and we are we are publicly stating we want to be a part of this and actively engaged on it is what I'll say. Yes, yeah. Mr. Chair. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I would just say thank you for that, that I will follow up with uh, Ms. Chawla and Supervisor Chan to talk about next steps and what meetings there might be. Um, and, it, you know, and I will report back to the board. Thank you, Trustee Dong. That's very appreciated. Thank you, Trustee Dong. That's helpful. And I would, again, looking forward to, I think, you know, hoping that and expecting that we jointly come up with the recommendations. The impacted folks really know what's happening. So together we can do this. And we are all on the same page about the sustainability and success of ages. Yes, I agree. May, um, may I ask a question? If, if that's okay? Yes, Ms. Harper? Yes, uh, my name is Jeanette Harper. Just call uh -huh. me Z. I'm okay. actually an employee of Alameda Health System. Um, and I just have a question um, for Mr. Friedman. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about what the interviewee selection process was or is and how AHS's current um, health equity, diversity, and inclusion initiative works in conjunction with that selection process? We generated a, a list of prospective interviewees in consultation with the county and the agency. So it, it, so don't have, it doesn't have direct tie to the council you just made reference to. Well, it so, would help if you spoke to the uh, to the AHS folks too to see who might be, especially some of our key stakeholders. Yeah, who the, who they would recommend, and that 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 could be a function of the ad hoc committee to give further guidance and refinement to at least the AHS stakeholders on this would would, would be my consideration. We're, we're coming closer towards time, but we 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 have two individuals who whose perspectives 
are different than the rest because they one has sat atop the organization, the other is about to uh, be the lead. So, Devecchio, any any brief comments on uh, on regard to this, and then and then we'll end with James. Sir, thank you, Trustee Bouquet, for the opportunity. Uh, I, I want to echo my uh, appreciation for the group for, uh, for for Jonathan and Ethan for uh, uh, their engagement. Very important work. Uh, my sentiments actually kind of mirror some of the ones that the trustees have, have uh, mentioned tonight. So, without kind of uh, going into any detail, I have like two questions I was curious about. Uh, one is um, about uh, um, essentially there there is a sense through your presentation that there is a foregone conclusion. And I, I say that respectfully because it seems like the conclusion is that the authority model might continue to exist with some tinkering around the edges. And given what has transpired over the time here, I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned uh, as a soon-to-be departing person, but still very interested in the success of this organization and the success of this relationship and partnership and the people who are so invested in it, that, 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 that there be a really conscientious and uh, uh, genuine approach to looking at what are the problems with the existing model and uh, looking at other alternatives. And I know that, you know, the biggest refrain we heard uh, throughout the strikes and the labor actions were public health in public hands. And there seemed to be some synergy around potentially having the county take the system back. That is a very involved and uh, uh, detailed process in moving employment and all the other sort of pieces to unravel and re-ravel. But this process, I have to say, uh, as you laid it out, seems to suggest that your suggested recommendation or potential recommendations is that that is actually not something that's under true consideration. So I, I wonder if we've not been asked to study that question. That's interesting. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I think that's an important thing for all your stakeholders to understand uh, as a basis of understanding the, the scope of the work that you, you've been asked to perform here. My second point is all, in, in furtherance of that to this piece around the nature of the scope. And I fully respect that there's a relationship between a client and a uh, and, and and a the, the person engaging you, and I think the word I heard you mention when you described HMA, one of the adjectives was an independent organization. Um, I have a sense, this is perhaps my own bias, that there is a slant in your scope that really looks to say that um, the issue here is almost preordained. That there is a lack of transparency, a lack of accountability from the executive team to the board and to the county and issues of that nature. And then there's a piece about building trust in relationships. So th that's a two-way street. And I'm hoping that the nature of the scope of your work involves providing some candid feedback to the other side of that relationship to say, if we're going to move forward in a progressive way to collectively serve those people that we're entitled to serve, that that involves movement and uh, uh, um, evolution of practices and behavior on the part of everybody. And I worry that when I look at what you have here, it looks to be, let's tell us what those people can do differently so that this works better for all of us. And I think that's really dangerous. So that's the comment I'll have. And I don't know if you have any uh, response to that, but I really uh, hope that you will take that to heart as well as some of the other feedback you've gotten this evening about this process and some of the deficits that seem to be in it thus far. Thank I you. understand that perspective. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your comments, Delvecchio. James, comments, sir? Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. I am I'm encouraged by the process. I think that Del Vecchio's concerns are, are valid. And certainly I think that they have been registered by uh, Mr. Friedman and Mr. Norris and certainly will be factored in 
I am I'm grateful to the supervisors for their willingness to to have this kind of a dialogue and Colleen and her team. Um, this is going to be a turbulent process. I'm very clear about that, but I'm glad that the trustees of the Alameda Health System and I have an opportunity to be at the table and that there are going to be forums like this. Um, Z asked about the list, and I think that there's still some opportunity for looking at who has input because this really is about everybody in this county. And so we need to make sure that all of the stakeholders have the opportunity. Um, I'm open and supportive of that. And I believe that we're going to come out on the other end of the turbulence better than we went into it. Thank you. James, thank you for those words. And what I'll say is uh, in, in relationships, we start with the commonality. It is in everyone's interest for this to be a fiscally viable organization that provides top-notch care, period, hard stop. So I, 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 I think engaging whatever processes, being thoughtful to one another, and not saying that we're not, but, but, but this engaged dialogue, it starts with that. Remember, there are 21 public health systems in California. Five of them are UC-associated, so those kind of are, are funny ones. But uh, Supervisor Chan's right. There, there, there are only so many models. Of the remaining 16, two of them are health authority models. The rest are uh, some iteration of the county-owned, and then, and then it's about tinkering. So, so the good news is this isn't a, a totally from-scratch build. There are models. And, and, and the great news is Supervisor Chan is well aware of the history which brought us to the health authority model. And, and that, that data, I'm glad, will be downloaded to Jonathan and Ethan because understanding how we got here is going to be critical to that. Uh, the why is about what we got here. So what I offer to um, all our stakeholders is uh, 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 the, the promise that this board of trustees wants to be actively engaged in the health of our, uh, the health and excellence of our system. Uh, we, we are a tool, because your engagement is with the supervisors, we are a tool for you. I'm asking you to use us because I, I think we have a, a great insight. Um, uh, and I, I'll, I'll end by that saying, I know that we are all in, uh, we're all in the same boat. Sometimes we forget it, but we're all in the same boat that we want this place to be great. You know, um, uh, I wouldn't have taken on this this job that my family is mad at me for taking on this job if I didn't love this place, you know. And so I, I have a vested interest in doing this work, and, and and I'm happy to partner with anyone who who wants to make this place better. And I'd say that that's the same for all the trustees, and 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 I'd say our executives want this to be a great place too. No one wants to come work for a mediocre place, and it has to be fiscally viable. So. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let um, uh, Ms. Chala or Mr. Norris or Mr., uh, Mr. Friedman or Ms. Wilma give us closing comments, if any. Okay, I just want to thank everyone. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be going through this process. Um, I think it's wrong to say there's a foregone conclusion. There isn't a foregone conclusion. If there is, I don't know what it is. Um, maybe somebody else in this room knows what it is. Um, I think that, um, you, you know, um, Mr. Finley feels that it has decided that it should go back to, you know, completely to the county. I don't, I don't think um, that's necessarily off, off the table. Um, there's some, a lot of issues around that. It would take a very long time to do that. 
Um, but that's, you know, that's one, that's one model that exists. Like um, Dr. Bouquet said, there's only a few models that exist and then we will try to tailor them to the, the actual situation in Alameda County, what works best and taking into account um, the feedback that we get. And, and I, I think it's fair to say we should have a lot of feedback from people who work at the hospital and who've been there be, uh, at the hospitals and who've been there because they kind of really know from an operational and financial point of view what some of the big barriers have been. I do want to just close by saying too, I'm, um, we can talk more about the history, but there have been some positives. Um, I think things have changed because the county system um, in terms of contracting and hiring um, had been very, very slow um, using with the civil service system and with um, the way that we do procurement. Um, there are certain restrictions and it it makes the process very slow. So there are pros and cons to everything. And that's what we want to take a look at. And with all of us with of making the, the system the best possible for Alameda County. Thank so you thank you. Thank you very much for those words. Mr. Friedman and Mr. Norris, closing out. No comments? Look forward to, look forward to talking with you. Likewise. Ms. Chawla. Uh, I just want to echo some of the comments that Supervisor Chan made and, and, <clears throat> and the trustees and others. I think we all are in this for uh, the betterment of our of our residents in our county. And, I, and the more we can do together and in partnership, um, the better. I am looking forward to working with uh, Trustee Dong and your uh, committee, as well as um, Mr. Jackson in the new uh, in the in the new uh, configuration. And uh, Mr. Finley, I wish you the best of luck in your new position. All right, thank you. And to to everyone in the audience, this will be a standard tracking item going forward. We'll present the, an update on what we know in some form or another uh, going forward. With that, we close item G5. Item H is staff reports. Um, these were submitted as written. Um, are there any questions with regard to the staff reports from any of the trustees? Thank you. Uh, with, with, with that, we will close item H. We are now 46 minutes in the bonus. That's my, I own that one, so apologies. We will now move into closed session uh, council. Yes, the, uh, the uh, closed session is regarding a matter of pending litigation is set forth in the agenda. Yes, sir. Um, uh, uh, we will come out and report if any action is made, but uh, there is no planned action. Um, so um, we'll go into closed session now.